Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and happy Cordero Patterson week, everybody. Or, you know, week four, whatever the hell you want to call it. In this household, though, we celebrate three touchdown performances from one of the most versatile and explosive players in the NFL. I, I can't keep opening every podcast with this, Dwayne. Or maybe I can. I don't know. Anyway, Dwayne McFarlane joined with me as always. Dwayne the Rock McFarlane, as other people call him. Context matters on Twitter, at Dwayne McFarlane on Twitter. Dwayne, how are you? And I'm, I'm good. I don't know where the rock thing came from other than just the Dwayne, <laughs> but that's about, that's where it ends. Um, but yeah, man, dude, keep on rolling with the Corderell Patterson stuff. As long as you can, Ian. like you deserve this. This is your, <laughs> this is your four weeks right here. I'm praying for five. Praying for five. Hell, maybe even six, man. 2021 has been hey, a I'm weird year. One week at a time. I'm <laughs> one week at a time. I, when we happen after five, I'll pray for six. I'm here with you, man. Always one week at a time here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. You are probably listening this Monday morning, maybe Sunday night if you're really crazy. Either way, we got 13, 13 games to review. And let's get after it, guys. Browns beat the Vikings 14 to 7. Cleveland covers as a one point favorite. The under cashes at 51 and a half. So, a lot of sheeshes to go over in this one. And real quick, just to preview these games, I, be, I usually go through some of the beyond the box score stuff, everything I was able to notice while watching these fantastic affairs. Dwayne has all of his fantastic utilization uh, context that you can always find in the utilization report on pff.com on Tuesdays. And together, we make one hell of a team, or at least so some people say. Anyway, Browns, Vikings, a lot of sheeshes to get out of the way here, people. Kareem Hunt, solid game, 69 yards and a rushing touchdown. Could have actually had a receiving touchdown as well. The problem is this was Baker Mayfield's, I think, worst performance I've seen him have since the first six weeks of last year. Absolutely brutal. Like 15 for 33, 155 yards. That sounds bad. This was worse. This was like not... Anything to do with the Vikings defense stopping Mayfield. This was one missed throw after another. And I am, we are not Baker haters, Dwayne. We're not haters of any player out there. You know, maybe me and Sam Darnold once upon a time, but we try to get past all those things. This was just awful. Like I, I made a highlight clip earlier this week of all of Baker's best throws to the first three weeks. I really thought he was playing great ball. And this just was the opposite of that because he took away, he took it from us, Dwayne. The OBJ breakout week was here. We all knew it was here. He was going up against Patrick Peterson, Bashad Breeland. I recited those stats for you guys multiple times last week. And what happened? Not one, not two. I counted three should have been touchdowns for OBJ in this one from the three yard line got open on a cool little whip wheel route hybrid thing. Baker missed him. Had to step on a bomb from the 50 yard line. Baker underthrew him badly, but those pale in comparison to what happened at the end of the game when OBJ runs a crisp double route and gets wide open and Baker throws a line drive basically to the other side of him and they couldn't even complete the ball. I'm still mad just thinking about it. Like the mood in the PFF office was pretty positive until that moment. And then I, I just lost it. So hopefully none of my coworkers are holding that against me, but just absolutely brutal stuff from Baker and the Browns. They got the win. Nick Chubb got his hundred yards, but this passing game looked horrendous if you haven't gotten that point already quickly on the viking side of things justin jefferson had a touchdown in 84 yards actually had a second touchdown but it was one of those plays where kirk cousins didn't realize he ran past the line of scrimmage so it didn't count those are the sheeshes from this one also want to point out that cousins 
Similarly, not that impressive stat line, only threw for 203 yards and a touchdown, basically, you know, ended his uh, three-week streak of just being a really solid streamer in this one. He looked really good, though, Dwayne. I mean, three or four throws to Jefferson or Thielen where you were just like, man, best possible ball location, and that guy knows how to throw a football, like, from a clean pocket, but even a couple of these, man, he was getting hit. So, Cousins, you know, despite this one and three start for the Vikings at this point, continues to play very good football. Um, Only injury to note, Dalvin Cook briefly seemed to pull himself out of the game with a lower body injury, and then he came back, because Dalvin Cook, like, seems to, every single game he plays in, get hurt, and then return, and then maybe he's hurt down the road, but believe you, like, he returns into that game after he originally got hurt. Tyreek Hill, Julio Jones, we see do this a lot. Dalvin Cook is the epitome of the running back position. So, Dwayne, those are my thoughts. And again, I just can't overstate how badly I'm pissed off that they took away the OBJ breakout game. But hopefully you have something to make me feel a little bit better about this. Well, I mean, I, you know, it's kind of inherent in what you've already said, right? I mean, everything else for Beckham Jr. was there. Um, he had uh, 23% of the targets, 47% of the air yards, which by far led his team. The next closest was 26% from Rashard Higgins, um, 40, um, but only 29% in of his passes were catchable. 29%. <laughs> so that's a problem. And it goes back to what you talked about with Baker. Obviously your eyes were not uh, deceiving you there. It was just really a bad day for, they Baker. were that's bleeding. The they were bleeding joint. <laughs> yeah, man, these sort of things happen. All we can do. Um, you got to go with the utilization. Look, uh, everything else about Beckham is true. It's still shaping up. Like it's a funnel type passing game to him. There's really not anyone challenging. You got to, you got some other players sitting around the periphery, but he's the main dude. And he's getting the air yards, all the other things. Um, just just got to have Baker have a better game. And look, B- Baker can just be one of those streaky quarterbacks. Um, as far as the Vikings go, um, it's just like what you said around, you know, the backs. Um, you know, Cook pulled himself out for a little bit. Um, so you had more of an even split. Actually, as far as the rushing attempts go, 45% of the rushing attempts to Alexander Madison, 41% of the rushing attempts to Dalvin Cook, which is not something we typically see. Like, you know, once Cook says he's going to play, um, just like whenever he's in the game and he decides he's playing and he, he can come back in, he always will. We've never really seen this type of scenario where you've had Cook questionable all week and then really seen it be more of a split between the carries. So I'll have to dig deeper into that one tomorrow on the utilization report. Is that something that happened early in the game and they were already splitting or was it just after the injury where Cook had to pull himself out? And that really is what allowed Madison to pull himself closer. Just, and not that it's going to matter a ton, right? If Dalvin Cook's healthy, we're just going to play him every week. But, it, you know, we're always gathering these data points for in the future when a similar situation comes up. It's like, what do we have to refer to? Um, the only other thing I would say with the Vikings, man, um, Tyler Conklin played really well last week and they rewarded him this week with more playing time played 85 percent of the snaps 73 percent of the routes per drop back you guys know the magic number if you read my stuff if you listen to me 80 percent is where we want to get where we want to be um targets per route run 18 percent the number we want to be at is 20 percent but that's right there i mean that makes him now he is in the same conversation as noah fant he's in the same conversation um, I would actually rank him above, you know, Gasecki unless Jacoby Brissett is a starting quarterback, um, but he's right there. He's right there on the cusp of, of that high end tight end two, low end tight end one. The utilization is actually starting now to match up with the production that we've seen. Um, so that's good news for him. The rest of the guys pretty much the same. Look, Alan, uh, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, they're badass. Yeah. They, they kind of <laughs> get a lot of targets. Very, very much badass. PFF low eight matchup stat. 
You guys could have guessed where I was going with this one. The most unrealized air yards in week four pre-Sunday night football. Number one by fucking far Odo Beckham Jr. at 133. Only other guys over 100, Calvin Ridley, Cortland Sutton. Man, Sutton's yard, those were complete prayer yards for my guy, Drew Locke. I wish I had something nicer to say, but that was getting brutal. Adam Thielen also hit 100 in this one. Robbie Anderson wasn't too far behind at 95. Real quick, you know, I know we do use some technical terminology here. Air yards, if I throw a 50-yard pass to Dwayne and he does not catch it, that was a 50 air yards and zero receiving yards. So when I'm saying unrealized air yards, these are the guys that had the biggest difference between those two metrics. And usually, for example, Hollywood Brown last week, we see the people bounce back a a little bit after having this sort of performance on to week five next matchup we had the washington football team defeat the atlanta falcons 34 to 30 entertaining one didn't get my eyes fully on this one until the end but man taylor heineke and matt ryan combined for seven passing touchdowns and we just saw points on the board really going up you know from the second quarter on one after another terry mclaurin had a pair of scores uh, jd mckissick had a wild like throwback catch touchdown for the eventual go-ahead score of course, the star of the show, people, was my guy, Cordero Patterson, who I already talked up plenty at the very beginning of this episode. He had a huge blown coverage touchdown at first. Then they threw him a fade, because why not? And he caught that for a touchdown. And then he had a short little dump off where he broke a good two tackles on his way into the end zone. So this is a point where we have Wayne Gallman active for the first time all year. And Mike Davis, man, as much as I had been on the train with him, at this point, he's getting outperformed by the other running backs on his roster. 13 carries for just 14 yards man that's some jordan howard-esque shiz there also had him chip in with the receiving touchdown so didn't completely crush your lineup but you know when you see cordero patterson turning in the rb1 performance of the week tough to feel too good about mike davis um some injuries in this one to monitor logan thomas unfortunately out with the hamstring injury left ricky seals jones to come in which hey man we have seen ricky seal jones flash in the past one of these guys that always has the real high yards per route run uh metric which we love his predictability there. The question is, will he get that 100% snap roll that Logan Thomas has had all the time? So, so certainly something to keep an eye out for with Thomas's injury. We had Antonio Gibson get hobbled at some point. I believe he re-entered the game, though. We just didn't see him on the last drive because screw him when the game's really, you know, in the balance, I guess. That seems to be the Washington moniker. I shouldn't take away too much. So that McKissick touchdown was sick. He dove in from like four yards out. You know, he is certainly a good player himself. It's all about fantasy, Dwayne. Like, we don't hate these guys. We just hate that they're not letting Gibson be that more freaking good. But that is the uh, you know way to cookie crumbles. Sometimes Gibson did find his way into the end zone, so didn't sink your lineup. Final point is all-world guard. Brandon Scherf was ruled out with a knee injury, so not good for the Washington football team offensive line. But, Dwayne, just, just go off and tell me some fantastic Cordero Patterson uh, snap splits because I know they're there. <laughs> yeah, man. I talked about this on the start stuff this morning uh, with Andrew. Essentially, the way I look at Cordell Patterson, and it holds true through today, if you're a poker player, like this is the best analogy I can think of. You know, like he's like pocket fives, pocket sixes. Like it's a 50-50 flip, right, against ace-king, ace-queen, two big high cards ahead of the flop, and you feel pretty good. And any certain flop, like you could hit a set, right? You're just trapping the person that hits the ace. You're just trapping them. You're like, come on, man, put all your money in. You got the ace king. You hope they don't have pocket aces. Um, that's really what Cordell Patterson is. The thing is like, he's flopping full houses like every week. It's like, Hey, pocket sixes. Here comes a six, five, five, full house right? <laughs> immediately done. And so, um, it look, this is the definition of, of luck box. I love, look, he, he's playing great, but there's no way 
And look, it would None. be hard for it would be hard, Ian, for someone playing all the snaps to keep up what he's doing, much less someone playing 30% of the snaps today, only in a route, 29% of the dropbacks, handle only 22% of the rushing attempts. I know Ian's saying here, get this guy more touches. Come on, like a, a thousand yards a game. Um, 28% of the long down and distance, 25% of the two-minute offense. So really, I mean, like he is what everyone listening to this podcast understands as a change of pace back. Uh, Kenny Gainwell is an example, right, of this. Kenny Gainwell doesn't get what Cordero Patterson is doing, even though Kenneth Gainwell is a good player. Um, I, it would, it's, it, I don't know how to best paint this, but there's no way it can keep on. But if, you were, if you're a zero RB drafter, and you've got Cordell Patterson as your RB2. I mean, just ride it. I don't know what else to say. Hell, put him in your RB1 spot. I don't <laughs> care. You know, put Saquon Barkley behind him just for spite. Um, you know, starting <laughs> below him. You got to keep playing him. But if you can, if you are in a league that allows trades, I still highly recommend just trying to get to unload Cordell Patterson. And look, if all of a sudden he takes over all this work, you can be mad, you can be pissed at me. Um, and like, I'll just take it on, but he's not, he's most likely knowing him, knowing his career archetype, all those things, it's not going to happen. I just don't see a way this keeps up. Um, I did use him today in DFS. So I'm very happy with that. I had him and David Montgomery, um, along with the bears defense, Ian and Curtis Samuel, who I'll talk about here in a second because of men's salary were the only players I played from the early slate and then Tyree kill broke the slate <laughs> so it was a good day but i was really i was i was uh i aming uh kevin cole i was i aming ben brown all of our dudes i'm like look i got these guys in eight lineups like they're stomping like how much should i let's talk about how much i diversify my lineups blah blah blah. so um the other real quick since you did send the helicopter in ian um oh, yeah. pits man 21 percent of the targets that's nice that's really his top target share of the year uh was right at the 80 percent routes uh uh routes per pass play that we want to see. So he's still right there. Look, I know everybody's been like, oh my God, Dwayne, you say Cordero Patterson can't do it, but Kyle Pitts can't. You're wrong every week. You're right. But I'm still going to keep playing the odds. I'm still going to keep playing the odds um, because that's what you have to do over the long term in fantasy football. It can go wrong any certain week, but you have to play the odds over the long term. So give me those players very quickly. You guys know Calvin really is badass, right? Well, 37% target share. You don't need to know anything else. I'm going to move on. So Logan Thomas was hurt in this game. He left. Um, it was really a split between, um, you know, John, I don't know who John Bates is. It's definitely not Bill Bates though. Bill <laughs> Bates, old Cowboys, uh, special teams and safety. Uh, but you That's did right. have, you had Ricky Sills Jones out there for 79% of the routes and a 17% target share. Um, don't know how much you're going to love that, but we, we main thing here is just keep an eye on Logan Thomas. We may be without him. Uh, Terry McLaurin, I tweeted like, have a day, dude, like 32% targets per route run, 36% target share, 67% of the air yards, three yards per route run. Terry McLaurin, do we have, uh, I don't know this, this is, he better be PFF. Oh, I know CPAT's going to get PFF early, but if, if CPAT didn't exist, like, and <laughs> so I've got, we've got a hamster named, Ozzy. So like PFF Ozzy is going to give <laughs> runner up to Terry fucking McLaurin, man, because he's a badass. real quick. Curtis Samuel, uh, first game back 38% of the routes split with Diami Brown, um, probably working his way back. So we'll see what happens with that, but he was targeted on 25% of the routes run, which was second on the team behind Terry MF and McLaurin. <laughs> 
Dwayne, all good points as always. And yes, it was disappointing to see Kyle Pitts not fulfill the chopper prophecy. With that said, people, there's a galaxy brain argument to be made that if you happen to trust Kyle Pitts, that would imply that you got off of Travis Kelsey. And Kyle Pitts was better than Travis Kelsey this week, Dwayne. So like Boom. I don't know. Boom. Uh, I don't know what more uh, you people want from me. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how Pitts gets going. I will just say, man. I haven't seen the quote unquote generational like skill set from Pitts flashing yet. It's been four weeks. I get it. But like almost to me, the most impressive play was his one catch in the preseason when they just lined him up like a usual tight end and he had a linebacker on him accordingly. When I see him as a true wide receiver, he's not getting all the sorts of separation that you would hope for. Hey, if we can get eight to 12 targets per game and stuff, that is just so ridiculous for a tight end that he will be fine eventually. But just something to keep an eye on. OI test. I don't think it's something to, you know, put a ton of weight behind, but just something to keep in mind as we move forward. PFF Lily matchup stat, of course, is for Cordero Patterson. You know, people have argued for years, is he a running back? Is he a wide receiver? He is just a grade A baller, everyone. On the week, overall RB1, overall wide receiver three. Pick your position, doesn't matter. CPAT, go free. I'm really happy for you, Ian. This is a moment. This is a moment, dude. He is an awesome player. Um, you and Matt Waldman are the two people I know that love Cordero Patterson the most. And I remember when he came out and Waldman just writing, you know, after the catch, like just, you know, Patterson was amazing, right, at Tennessee. And, you know, he was a junior college player that came over to Tennessee. Um, wasn't like necessarily the best route runner and all those things. And a lot everything, you know, Matt actually talked about came true. But like getting to see today – in the last few weeks, a team that's figured out how to try to get in the ball in space, you know, and make these things work out. It's pretty awesome, man. For you, for Cordell Patterson, it's, it's, I know it won't last, but it, he's still a good player. It doesn't mean, like you said, it doesn't mean that we don't like these players. It's just more, we trust, you know, the data. Like that's kind of our job is to figure out historically what matters. Like how does that play out over time? And that picture doesn't look great for, for Patterson, but man, what an awesome freaking four weeks. And today was an absolute bomb. I just, the reason why I loved, I think it was like 2016 or so when I changed the old Twitter bio to be president of the Cordero Patterson fan club. And the big thing for me was I had this, you know, people were, they called him like a bust. And I was like, what are you talking about? This guy's the best kick returner ever. And look at like the 10 times he's gotten like handoffs in his career. He was freaking averaging the most yards per carry of all time. So I just really wish that we had like for bust we have injured guys that get called a bust and never even had a yeah. chance to do anything we have guys like patterson and like ted ginn even like terrence newman who maybe were never like the top five player at their position you draft them to, to be but still had fantastic careers same thing with off the field issues like are you a steroid cheat or someone that's hitting women or are you someone likes to party a little bit too much like there are a lot more categories for a lot of these terms and i'm just happy that now you know year nine year ten whatever it is for cpat all the public are finally starting to realize what I've known for five years, but we will get on with this Cordero Patterson centered podcast. Next game, Dwayne, the Cowboys keep on rolling 36, 28 beat the Panthers really wasn't that close. We had Darnold get a few drives there in the end and Hey, you know, garbage time points count the same in fancy land. So I'm not taking anything away from the man. Just realized. I think this one was like 31, 13 at some point in the second half. So Cowboys covered as four point favorites. The over hit easily at 52 and a half. 
Yeah, man. DJ Moore is so freaking good at football. 12 targets, caught eight of them, 113 yards, two touchdowns, finally found his way into the end zone. I mean, dude, he just every single throw to him. It's like the routes, the ability to catch the ball. And then the scariest part is when he finally gets it in his hands. Like, again, why was this not what they were doing with him last year? I, I don't know, but it doesn't matter anymore. It's what they're doing with him now. DJ Moore is a legit wide receiver one moving forward if you weren't treating him as that already. And also, shout out Ezekiel Elliott. Looked very good. Most runs of 10-plus yards since week 17 of 2019. Busted a 47-yard run. Just breaking a lot of tackles out there. Again, what have we been preaching on this, Dwayne? Like, it's okay for Pollard and Zeke to both be really good at their jobs. And that's what we saw today. Zeke averaged 7.2 yards per carry. Pollard was at 6.7. And because of that, Dak Prescott only had to throw the ball 22 times. When he did throw the ball, it was fantastic. He was throwing touchdowns to Amari Cooper, Dalton Schultz, Cedric Wilson, who had a nasty spin move on his, and even Blake Jarwin got one. So only guy that really didn't have the day people were hoping for, C.D. Lamb just caught two passes for 13 yards. That's just what's going to happen when you have a game where Dak's only throwing the ball 22 times. And to be honest, Dwayne, this has been a little bit of a trend. If you look at his starts going back to last year, complete games, total pass attempts, 39, 47, 57, 58, 58. Last three games, 27, 26, and 22. It did help to see him run the ball a little bit more. He only had 19 rushing yards in the first three weeks of the year, racked up 35 in this one. But even that, like you could tell, it was just a little more. He got loose, I think, on two scrambles. Maybe a read option went well. It wasn't like a new concerted effort to have Dak run the ball. Why would you do that? This offense is freaking humming. Just realize this defense thanks to Trayvon Diggs, among other guys, Randy Gregory Parsons are doing well on the front seven as well. But Diggs, five picks in four games. Last year, we had the combination of Dak throwing the ball all over the yard and his defense sucking. Dak's still throwing it really effectively, but when the defense isn't as bad, we're just not getting quite as often of comeback mode shootouts for the Cowboys. We're still getting some shootouts, but now sometimes the other team is the one actually having to come back. But the star of the show, QB1 overall, pre-Sunday Night Football, one Sam Darnold. League high, five rushing touchdowns through four weeks. Kind of like the only thing saving my ass from like hating on him is that people that were really behind Darnold can't even victory lap it too hard because no Nobody and their mother anticipated this dude providing such a Konami code rushing floor. And, you know, we saw issues with Darnold. He took five sacks, was holding the ball a long time. DJ Moore, you know, and even though he caught eight of his 12 targets, one of them was a deep ball that probably should have been put on the money. Wasn't able to bring that down. Robbie Anderson should have had like a 50-yard score at the end, but got overthrown. Don't worry, Donald ended up throwing a touchdown to DJ Moore that drive instead because the dude's allergic to anything that reminds him of the New York Jets, apparently. So the squeaky wheel spot for Robbie didn't come to fruition in the sense of the box score. But Dwayne, I think as you can see here behind the scenes, we did see Robbie really cement himself as a number two in this first version of the post-CMC Panthers offense. Yeah, man. Um, Robbie was great today from utilization standpoint. And, and that's what we care about like the most. Yes, we want the fantasy points, but you got to take a step back, let the emotions subside, be clear-minded. <laughs> what drives fantasy points, right? And that's what we're here to talk about. And that looked really good for Robbie Anderson. He was out there for 90% of the routes. That was first on the team. 
Um, he had 28% of the targets that tied with DJ Moore. He was targeted on 26% of his routes run. That was also tied with DJ Moore. 42% of the air yards led the team. So good things, you know, may be around the corner for Robbie Anderson. What we've been waiting on is really for a game script to challenge the Panthers. And we saw that today. And our kind of our, our, our theory, or maybe better way to say it is our hypothesis, right, was that maybe that would unlock Robbie Anderson. And that's really what we saw today. Um, that did, from a utilization standpoint, unlock Robbie Anderson. So let's keep an eye on it. But Tommy Trembles, man. Tommy Trembles. Everybody was all excited about Tommy Trembles. Uh, we got uh, 42% routes run. Not going to cut it, old Tommy Trembles. But you just got Ian Thomas in front of you. Like Jalen Smith can, talk, can tackle Ian Thomas. So that tells you how bad Ian Thomas is because Jalen Smith is dust. Um, you already hit on Darnold, but real quick, man, 18% of the designed rushing attempts to Sam Darnold. Like that's just freaking sick. Like that's (laughs) like, you know, come on. That's like Jalen hurts. And you know, that's like up there with the elites as far as design rushing attempts coming to, you know, a quarterback. So, you know, it is what it is right now. Sam Darnold. I don't know if he can keep his rushing attempts up, but it's awesome. Um, and if you own Sam Darnold, like it's kind of tough, like to figure out, like that we're going to start having conversations every week and the start stiff sit stuff, you know, in of, okay, do I start at Sam Darnold over X? Like it's coming, like it's about to be here. Um, Chuba Hubbard, just real quick on him. Um, you know, Rodney Smith out there for 53% of the long down and distance and 75% of the two minute offense, you had 60% of the rushing attempts going to Chuba. Um, he handled 50, almost 50% of the snaps. So he was still like, he was still the back to own, but it was Rodney Smith getting the two, you know, the two minute and long down distance, you know, at least half of that. So basically Chuba is getting um, 25 to 30% of the true passing down work. And he's getting about 60% of the rushing attempts, just something to keep in mind. We're probably going to have another week with um, Christian McCaffrey out. Like you guys can't see us, but I feel like I'm a weathercaster, like when I'm moving my hands <laughs> around, I need a green screen behind me. Um, but Royce Freeman, Royce Freeman was the odd dude out. Like, uh, you know, he didn't get anything. Um, CD lamb real quick, 24% of the targets, 35% of the air yards, love the team 46 per 4.46 yards per route run though. Right. It was just an inefficient day for lamb. These things happen folks. He was out there 97% of the routes. Everybody has a bust week. Everybody thought Tyreek Hill, you know, was like, Oh my God, Tyreek Hill. And then look what he does this week. Like it's, it's gonna, you know, not saying lambs Tyreek, but only one Tyreek in the league, but lamb's going to be fine. Uh, one quick positive on the Cowboys though. Last week I talked about Dalton Schultz being a player to fade because he was just splitting time ultimately with Blake Jarwin. It looks like they may be rewarding his good play with more snaps, more routes, all of it. 80% of the snaps versus 53% Ooh. for Blake Jarwin, 76% routes per pass play what's the magic number ian at routes you say 70 no 75 ian 75 80 80 percent this number no yeah yeah for tight ends for tight ends for receivers we want to be over 90 percent for tight ends though if you can get over 80 percent routes per pass play and you can get up over 20 percent of targets per route run like that's usually like the magic zone like I'm the magic man. Now you see me, but it wouldn't be now you don't. It'd be like, now you see me and you still see me because I'm a badass. I'm going to be here every week. But targets per route run, man, for Dalton Schultz, again, like this is another week, 32% targets per route run and out there for 76%. And really it's a mixture of the two, right? If you're 70% routes run, but you're targeted 30% of the time you run a route, that's the same as being 80 and 20, essentially. So it's like 
where those two things converge. So things looking really good for Dalton Schultz. Uh, so sorry if I caused you to miss him on your waiver wire last week, but if he's still there, I feel much more confident in him. I mean, and look, we're looking for trends. Last week we had one blip of data and it wasn't that great. Um, any, do you have any questions on the Cowboys? Like Zeke, man, whew, like 100% of the two-minute offense again, 75% of the long down distance, 71% of the short down distance, 61% of the rushing plays, 59% of the routes uh, per dropback, 75% of the snaps. Like two weeks in a row, man, Zeke's starting to pay off. Yeah, only thing I'll add with Schultz, man, it's so – because like last week we were sitting here going, hey – Schultz had seven targets. Nobody else had more than four. Like, it's a one-game blimp. Don't worry, people. Move on to today. Eight targets. Nobody else had more than five. Dalton Schultz, Cowboys, number one pass game option, and it's working. Uh, Okay, I guess we'll roll with that. Dwayne, only question, I guess, Chuba. The usage, you described it, good, not great. Probably more of a lower-end RB2. I know we were hoping to see something that could get us in yeah. that top 12, but after seeing this, with Rodney being there and taking away those targets, it's tough for me to probably rank him in the top 20. Yeah, it's a downgrade. I think you're going to have to look at game script more um, because of what we've seen today. So I, I think what you just said, it's low-end RB2, maybe high-end RB3. I mean, um, but I don't think we can get carried away with last week with what we had seen in the preseason and in that game we thought probably mid-range RB2 with RB1 upside. So I think it's probably a notch lower than that now. I'm happy that on our waiver wire pod shops Tuesday, we did give more of a, I think it was like a 25 to 30% fab recommendation. Wasn't the situation like Elijah Mitchell, for example, where should the guy also not get injured himself, he would be taken over for more than a couple of weeks. Just a good idea to, you know, it is one week at a time. We want to try to win our next matchup, but try to have a little longer term view sometimes before completely blowing the bank on someone like Chuba who, Hey, is fine. But again, when CMC is not being put on the IR, we know it's more of a short-term solution at the position. Uh, only other note I had here before we get the PFF Lily stat is that Amari Cooper was making me cry early on because he left with a hamstring injury, but Coop gutted it out, man. Like this guy's only missed three career games, but I feel like he's got that like Dalvin Cook in him where we always see him hobbling off before coming back in, scoring a touchdown. Good on Coop for playing through the pain, caught all three of his targets, nice amount of yards and a tutty. But PFF lowest stat, Ezekiel Elliott weekly finishes since week one of last season with Dak. RB3, RB6, RB13, RB11, RB4, RB8. Week one, when you all lost your damn minds, RB46 against the Bucks. Since then, RB10, RB3, RB10. Zico Elliott remains an RB1, albeit with Pollard being so much more involved this year in the passing game, not funneling as many targets, a little bit more mid-tier, low-end, you know, probably shouldn't have been the big three, big four for some people, but either way, people. Like, I got another one today. I think I got a Chuba versus Elliott, like, start-sit question. Like, stop it. Ezekiel Elliott is in there. Like Dwayne said, if you want to, you know, try to light a fire under his ass, moving from RB1 to RB2, that's one thing. Keep the guy in the freaking lineup, even if there is a fire. Next game, Giants defeated the Saints 27-21, ruining my ill-advised, you know, return to the Superdome storyline going on here. Was able to overcome it. Shout out Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones for getting the Giants the first W of the year. At least shout out Daniel Jones. I don't know about the clapper. But anyway, Giants covered his six-point dogs, overhit at 44. So, Dwayne, last week, the funniest, single funniest moment of the week was Jameis throwing the wild touchdown, um, the back of the end zone, the Callaway, I believe getting dapped up by his teammates going off the field. And then you see Sean Payton say, what, what the hell is that, man? Like, no, that was not good. We need to talk about this. 
funniest moment this week. They go into overtime. Jabril Peppers is the Giants team captain, and he goes to the coin toss, calls heads, and after he wins it, he yells, mic'd up for the entire stadium to hear, boom, we want that ball. Fuck them. And just like going absolutely crazy. And then they won, man. I thought we were looking at a potential like hassle back. Like we want the ball and we're going to score. And like, oh my God, this is going to look so bad. <laughs> Once Peppers gets like roasted for the game winning touchdown or something like that. Nope. They went ahead and won. So shout out Jabril, you know, in a weekend where we had a, uh, Oh my gosh, uh, Lane Kiffin, the old Miss coach, going you know viral with his proclamation. Like I, I love when guys go out on an, on a limb like that, and it just turns so bad sometimes in today's uh, social media. Society. It happens to oh, everyone, Ian. It does. It <laughs> does. Including me, including <laughs> including you, including me, Dwayne. I'm just happy it didn't happen to Jabril because I want more of that. I want more shit talk, more energy like that because it makes the game more fun, and it does work out sometimes, and that makes things doubly as awesome. So we saw more of the end of this game, not the whole thing, but the main thing that popped out zero, not one, not two, zero targets for Alvin Kamara people. Not good. I believe we said last week, Dwayne might be a good time to sell high on the guy because he essentially has more of a, it's not even like a Derrick Henry role at this point. It's honestly a little bit like Nick Chubb where he's just not getting used in the passing game, 26 carries, 120 rushing yards. But the other problem is, Sean Payton's love affair with Taysom Hill is not over. He's vultured two scores from inside the 10-yard line. And I don't want to hate on Taysom because he probably broke six tackles on one of those touchdowns. It just comes – it's the same thing with J.D. McKissick. Like, these guys can be amazing, but until – our guy that we drafted higher in fantasy land is getting those touches. We're not going to be happy. So Alvin's doing what the team wants. He's going to have more targets, but it's starting to look like that 80 reception, you know, total that we've taken for granted over the years, becoming more and more of a pipe dream by the week. Other notes, Jameis had an absolutely gorgeous 58-yard bomb to Marquez Callaway. 226 yards this game. We're still not seeing the, you know, Jameis, let her rip, do whatever the hell you want all game type of offense. But if anyone is going to really emerge as the guy, maybe it's Callaway or maybe it's Deontay Harris, who actually had four times as many targets than Callaway as I look at this now. So, Dwayne, bigger takeaway from the Saints is probably that Alvin is still the only guy we can really trust in terms of fantasy land, but whatever, let's stay positive here. Let's stay positive with the man that you said will be the RB six, the rest of the way. And that is one Saquon Barkley 54 yard touchdown catch lined up as an outside receiver, caught the ball in stride, made a move, scored. And that's what Saquon does because he's a great player that has always made these sort of huge plays that other guys can only dream of. Also scored the game-winning touchdown in overtime. So great week from Saquon, looking better and better by the game. I mean, for him to get 52 rushing yards on 13 carries with only a long of 17, like this Saints front seven is a matchup where you should expect like those brutal 10 carry 20 yard starts, and then hopefully he pops one off. So the fact that he was able to look a little more consistent on a per down basis, only a positive. So uh, final two shout outs here. Kenny Galladay caught six of seven targets for 116 yards, continuing to look, you know, hard. This guy is not very good at separating, but with nobody else to really throw the ball to, he did make the most of it. Kadarius Tony was flashing a little bit with the ball in his hands. Good to see you drafting him in the first round. Might as well give him a chance, but it was not either of them that scored the other touchdown. That was Mr. John Ross blast from the past 52 yard score down the middle. Great play by John Ross. Love it. Once these guys again, a bust that a lot of guys in Cincinnati particularly are just going to never pay their attention to again, but Hey, go get your career back on track. John Ross, fantastic play. Hopefully the start of more to come. Uh, only injury note in this one. 
Tojo carted in the locker room with a leg injury. Not sure the severity at this point, but man, he was already someone where I think, uh, you know, seeing Ty Montgomery, Dwayne Washington, getting some reps too. Like we already knew Tojo was not giving us the Latavius Murray, anything close to that standalone value. And if this injury is like even close to multi-week, please realize people like he's someone that probably could have been cut a week or two ago. And again, if this injury is at all serious, that applies double now. Dwayne, do you have... Any sort of good news with this Kamara usage? Or are we once again just saying, like, please try to find someone that doesn't really understand yeah. what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it, it feels like Nick Chubb, but really the underlyings are far different. I mean, it's 87% of the snaps. He's basically getting the same utilization as every down MFing back, Saquon MFing Bark. <laughs> it's the same. Here's the positive with the Saints. They actually ran 68 plays today. Last week, or it was the week before, they ran 44. So that's 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 what we need to see. We just need to see the Saints getting up into get, – get out of the 50s. Like, get, get out of the 50s for the plays per game. Get up into the 60s. If we could be around 62, 65-ish, I think things will come back around for Kamara. You made a great point with Taysom Hill. 18% of the designed rushing attempts going to Taysom Hill. So, I mean, he's – Taysom Hill, dude, he's playing a boatload of snaps. I mean, he's, he's running a route 32% of the time. Like, this offense is offense by committee, like we talked about last week outside of Kamara. But Kamara, listen, 87% of the snaps, 71% routes per dropback, 65% of the rushing attempts, 100% of the short down and distance snaps, 88% of the long down and distance snaps. I know he didn't get the targets today, but Kamara is going to come around. So if you're going to sell, don't sell too low. And if I was going to sell tomorrow, I would wait for the pop game like because it's coming. Like it, it can't not come with this utilization. It's eventually going to happen. Then your question has to be, does, do the Saints suck so bad that the utilization can't overcome? And remember, we're going to get reinforcements. You're going to get Traquan Smith back. You're going to get Michael Thomas back. There's a chance that this offense, like as it starts to improve, that actually helps Kamara, even though some of this utilization could go down a little bit. There is a fine line in there with utilization and efficiency and all these things, you, you know, where you, there's this perfect balance that players can hit to where really they uncap the most of, you know, what they can do. And so with Kamara, I think right now, we're just a bit on the heavy side for the utilization. We just need, we just need a better offense for him to operate in. Um, the problem is I just wonder, Ian, like watching Jameis Winston, I just, I really struggle to see it. Like how, what's the path to this offense really getting better, even with those other players back with the style that Jameis Winston wants to play. Um, but look, here's the one thing I'll say when those players get back, I feel like they're going to be on the field most of the time right now. I will say for Jameis, like, what do you do when you've got like all these different players out there 50% of the time? Like, I mean, it's hard to establish rapport. It's hard to get all these things going. I mean, so We'll see what happens with it from there. But Kamara's utilization is still very encouraging. The overall offense, it's a dud right now. Um, Saquon Barkley, you already hit on it all. Look, he's an every down back. Kenny Galladay, this was awesome. This was his best week by far. 92% of the snaps, 94% routes per drop back, 24% of the targets, 42% uh, of the air yards. Love the team, 2.98 yards per route run. That is great news for Kenny Galladay, who's been battling hamstring and hip injuries for basically two years now. Um, so he's looking healthy. You already mentioned Kadarius, Tony, 24% targets for Kadarius as well. 83% of the routes, 
Um, so he was out there two yards per route run on the day for Kadarius Tony. So we'll keep an eye on him. We'll see what happens with Sterling Shepard when he's going to be back. We should eventually get Darius Slayton back. So Darius Slayton will knock John Ross, Ross back down. Uh, Sterling Shepard will eventually take those routes back away from Kadarius Tony, but still good to see a young player getting to get on the field and actually, you know, contribute something given to your point. You spent a first round pick. Oh, last thing, Evan Ingram. 67% of the routes, that's up from 65% last week, 16% of the targets on the team. Um, he was actually out there uh, uh, 69% of the snaps overall. And the main thing is when they had to pass, like they had him on the field, long down distance, 80% um, of those snaps, Evan Ingram was out there. So I think slowly, slowly, I know people don't want to trust him, but probably working his way towards the bottom, you know, of the tight end one or the top of the tight end two conversation eventually here for Evan Ingram as he gets healthier. You think that could be, I mean, the same way with Tony, though, like once we get Shepard and Slayton back, that could theoretically hurt uh, Ingram a lot, too, particularly if Rudolph is going to, even if Rudolph's only taking 30, 40 percent of the snaps, man, we might be able to find 10, 12 guys that are giving us more than that. Yeah, I think that could totally happen. I guess when I look at it, I just think of the other tight ends that are in that same range. They all have the same problem you just talked about, right? They're not getting enough routes. They're like in that 70-ish percent range. There's other mouths to feed like Jaseki, right? You're having to deal with Waddle. You got to deal with uh, Fuller. You got to deal with Devontae Parker. Um, so it's it's there's a, there's a glob of players right there in that range that they all have a similar problem. Um, and I think Ingrams will be similar to that. So he'll probably be in the conversation um, you know, my guess is the rest of the way I'll each week have him somewhere between like 13, 16 or 17 okay. every week. He's going to be somewhere right there. And there's going to be weeks where he might pop, pop up to like 11 or 10, depending on matchup or who else, you know, maybe heard on the team. Very fair. PFF Lily stat Alvin Kamara targets in weeks one through four by year 2017. We got Adrian Peterson giving Sean Payton dirty looks on the sideline, but they find a way to get the man 28 targets in his first four NFL career games. 2018, the Mark Ingram suspension. 47 targets in weeks one through four 2019, a little bit of a dip off. You know, Drew Brees got hurt. Had to have Teddy Bridgewater 24 targets last year, 35 this year. Just 14 targets, people. It hurts. We're going to have another week of people, maybe even myself. I don't know if I'm feeling frisky. I'll send a tweet again that Derrick Henry has more receptions than Alvin Kamara. It's like one of the favorite things for fantasy analysts to do, and it is that crazy. So why not keep on keeping on? Chiefs beat the Eagles 42 to 30. Thank God, because the Chiefs minus seven saved all my dumbass parlays I put in throughout the rest of the day. Uh, Chiefs covered at minus six and a half. I think was actually where it closed. Overhit at 54 and a half. Most shishas in a freaking minute in this game, man. Like first, only one from the Chiefs, really. Obviously, you know, they were having most of their plays go right for him in this one. But Tyreek could have had legit four touchdowns, which is even more wild to fathom because first drive of the game, he got, you know, token Tyreek catch crazy yak where just no one can seemingly even match this dude's speed despite the angle they have just short of the goal line despite you know I think he even might have been gotten ruled as a touchdown at first they reviewed it and said he was just down that led to a little that Mahomes shuffle pass that's actually an underhand pass to Clyde Eversolaire for a short touchdown and yeah after that it was all Eagles you know miscues slash referees deciding that hey you can't do that First, Jalen Hurts missed Zach Ertz down the scene for a potential score early, running pretty much, you know, wide open.
open, couldn't get it to him. Then Dallas Goddard scored a touchdown, had a grown ass man, you know, breaking a tackle or two nullified because of an illegal formation penalty on the next play. Jalen hurts rolled out, had wide open. Greg Ward wasn't a great pass. It did hit his hands either way. That's going to be a sheesh should have been a short touchdown to there. And then Zach Ertz, I wouldn't even call it a drop necessarily, but Jalen Hurts threw this ball exactly where it needed to be. Ertz, not really known for separating, got two hands on it, had a defender on his back, couldn't come down with it. And then Hurts did complete a 30-yard touchdown to our guy, Devontae Smith. Unfortunately, Devontae was, you know, pushed slash went out of bounds and ended up being illegal touching. So it didn't count, wasn't able to, I guess, you know, reestablish himself in bounds in enough time. So with all that said, Jalen Hurts still threw for 387 yards, had a pair of touchdowns tacked on 47 rushing yards again he just remains a fantasy football cheat code everyone haven't quite crunched his rushing numbers yet but since before this game and he added 47 so i don't think it's going to change too much since he took over in week 14 last year 10th in the entire nfl in rushing yards you just cannot get that from pretty much anyone else other than lamar jackson these days also want to give a quick credit to Devontae Smith. We've been hoping for the breakout uh, game, Dwayne. You know, I would like to think there's a bigger one, even bigger one on the horizon, but beggars can't be choosers. Seven catches, 122 yards. We will take that eight days of the week and was really making a lot of his money, you know, downfield on the sidelines. So great to see that because if we can hit those passes, all those short screens and, you know, yak hitters that the Eagles really run the rest of their offense through are only going to make things that much easier. Of course, the star of the day, Tyreek Hill, 11 catches 186 yards not one not two but three touchdowns last one i mean the chiefs like got they got the game clinching first down and then it got nullified in the penalty and andy reed said no i'm not going to run some draw and give the ball back let's let mahomes just throw another 44 yard touchdown to tyree kill and really ice this one Travis Kelsey really dudded four catches, 23 yards because Mahomes didn't need to throw the ball to Kelsey they even used him as a cool decoy on the goal line to set up a touchdown too Jody Fordston, which is a name I don't think I've ever pronounced until right this second. But yeah, it was cool. It reminded me of when Peyton did this a couple of times in past years where he like acted like he was audibling and looked at the sideline and was kind of waving his hands and they snapped the ball while the defense is wondering what's going on. So good on Kelsey for being a team player. And yeah, Mahomes five tutties. Last note, Clyde Edwards Alaire, 14 carries, 102 yards, and he got that receiving score. Clyde, that's now his third career game with over 100 yards and a touchdown, his career debut last week and this week. So, Dwayne, I'm happy after uh, week two, we said, all right, people, we know it's not good. We're going to keep going to the well with Clyde Edwards-Alaire as an upside RB2, and here we are. He continues to return that. I know we're not getting the Brian Westbrook, the Jamal Charles overall RB1 year. That's fine. He's still someone you should feel great about being in your starting lineup. I think that's all I have here, Dwayne. What stuck out to you most from a usage perspective? Yeah, there's nothing to hit on the Chiefs. I mean, I'll, I'll break down Edwards Lair tomorrow. It's a, it's he dipped a little bit versus what we've seen, but it's not enough to make me be like, oh, this is a trend. Well, yeah. I have to watch it for a couple more weeks. Um, but his fantasy production, to your point, is up. Everybody knows how the Chiefs' offense works. Look, they're all fine, you know. And you named it, you know, Fortson, Joe Fortson. I'll say Noah Gray had a 94.9 in the run blocking. You know, is that great, Ian? <laughs> um, so moving on over to the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, man. 31% of the design rushing attempts for the team. <laughs> Miles Sanders has 46%. So watch out, Miles. You're almost about, you're about to be RB2. Um, he basically already is. You already are. In terms Miles of production, Sanders, yeah. 
you don't want to play Miles Sanders at this point. Uh, I mean, on a team that wants to throw the ball 70% of the time, um, you know, I mean, Sanders is out there playing from a snaps perspective, but only in a route half the time, which again, also isn't always bad. It's just the way that this offense is being ran. Um, the big thing is all the two minute offense, hundred percent of that's going to Kenneth Gainwell. So anytime they land in these games, like last week with Dallas, this week with the chiefs, which was why I had Miles Sanders six point um, six spots below consensus versus, you know, fantasy pros this weekend because of exactly this, you know, when they're big dogs, Miles Sanders is just going to Miles Sanders is just going to be in the doghouse with Dwayne. That's just the way it's going to be um, because roles matter. Utilization matter, especially when we see it's a consistent trend like this miles Sanders on the year. He does not play the two minute offense period. So this isn't something like some offenses where it's like, oh, well, this week was this, this week was that. This one is actually very predictable. Nick Sirianni has said, Miles Sanders, no two-minute offense for you. You're not allowed. You're not – no, no, Miles, just go (laughs) sit down. Just goes. I know you want to play, but you can't. <laughs> Kenneth Gainwell. Take that helmet off, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, dude, just real quick, Devonta Smith, and we can move on. Dude, yeah, ninety-two percent of the routes. Uh, he was out there. Twenty-three uh, percent of the targets. Forty-seven percent of the air yards by far. That doubles up. More than doubles up. Everyone on the team. Two point one eight yards per route run. I know that's a stat that you love, Ian. So he looked really good. Seventy-three point one receiving grade on the day. So that's that's above average. Smith looked really good. And to your point, like he could have even had a bigger day, um, but it was nice to see him come up with about 19, I think today, PPR points. Yeah. So if you started him, you know, as your wide receiver three or in your flex spot, you were rewarded after the utilization has been there all along today, the production came through um, for the folks that love Devonta Smith, which we're including in that group. hundred percent PFF Lily matchups that Jalen hurts fancy finishes as a starter. QB 11, QB 1, QB 12, QB 20 in three quarters, and he still had two rushing touchdowns anyway before Nate Sudfeld came in for God knows why. This year, QB 5, QB 10, QB 10, and pre-Sunday night football, QB 4. At this point, if you're doing a top five rankings of your quarterbacks and Jalen Hurts isn't in it, I am not sure what you're doing. The Eagles might not be a good team, but Jalen Hurts is a great fantasy quarterback, and for that, we thank you, Jalen. Next game that I really don't think we need to spend too much time on. I was not able. This was the one game in the PFF office. We have two big screens that have four games on each. Then we have another game in the back. And somehow we could not fit. I think we just said, let's put red zone on again, instead of putting Bill's Texans on. That was the sort of respect we were giving to the 17 point dogs. And guess what? They didn't exactly earn it. Bill's 40 Texans zero under a 47 hit in this one. You know, it was a lot of rain in this one. So with Josh Allen, you know, making a few bad throws here and there or whatever, I would, wouldn't exactly attribute that to him suffering any sort of, you know, negative regression or anything like that. Hey, dude threw two touchdowns, both them to Dawson Knox, who we talked up a little bit on our waiver pod as having true usage change over the past few weeks. We also saw this backfield, Zach Moss, find the end zone once again, but more or less split things from a carry perspective and also target perspective with Devin Singletary on Houston. Brandon Cooks had five catches for 47 yards. Uh, the entire Texans offense had 109 total yards. So remember last week, the horrific nature of that Bears game that, you know, scarred us really for like halfway into the week. Like they had 47 total yards. So this was not that much better than one of the worst performances we have seen over the past few decades. So last thing I got here, Dwayne, it doesn't look like any major injuries occurred, which is great. The bills in these last three games, they lost that week one game to the Steelers, which might require an investigation at this point. Since then 118 points for the bills, 
just 21 points against. They are blowing out these bad teams. And hey, man, good for them. So Stefan Diggs also 114 yards, seven catches. Didn't quite give us that, you know, I was expecting kind of multi-upside, you know, back in action, boom week. But obviously Diggs here to stay as a top three wide receiver. You know, top five, if you want to get key with it, that's fine. But obviously we're not letting Stefan Diggs go anywhere near that bench or another fantasy squad. Dwayne, thoughts on this one? I'm going to say my vocal cords. I know you told me that honey, I think, and warm water, but I just have Miller Lite in a plastic cup. So uh, we'll keep it moving pretty quick. Uh, Dawson Knox, you're right, man. Like every week it's better. 81% of the snaps, 76% of the routes. He's almost to that 80% mark, 23% targets, 27% targets per route run. So he's kind of pushed his way into the conversation and really the odd player out right now is Gabriel Davis used to, it was Gabriel Davis plus two other receivers right now it's Dawson Knox um, plus three other receivers. So we'll see if that changes over time, but the utilization is very encouraging. Brandon cooks. Look, I love Brandon cooks. We knew this game was eventually coming. We've talked about it. Like the Texans suck there. If you didn't like what you've seen with the jets, basically all you had to do is wait until the Texans had matchups like what you had seen with the jets. And that's what happens. But cooks utilization was still great. 58% of the air yards, 38% of the target share. But when you have Davis mills trying to throw you the ball and you're in a situation where you're trailing the whole game, the other team knows what you want to do the whole time. Basically this, this was trailing from the get. And it just, it's just a rough day, man. You got the rain, you got all this other crap working against you. Um, Anthony Miller, 29% target share on 87% routes run. Um, probably nothing really you're going to care much about there, but like in a super deep format, like you might just kind of like, just keep the name in mind. That's two weeks in a row where he's kind of shown a little bit. Potentially he's the second receiver and they need one. They can't do everything through Brandon Cook. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, Cooks, just, just hold on. He's a wide receiver three. If you thought he was a wide receiver one, I'm sorry, you're wrong. If you thought he was a wide receiver two, fine. We could maybe argue about that. But I would say he's most likely a wide receiver three. And, um, you know, be happy. You still got him in the 10th or 11th round of your draft. If somebody's still super high on him because they see, oh, Brandon Cooks is a wide receiver two, trade his ass. Just move on. Let's go. Real quick on Dawson Knox, like I know for a lot of people, this might seem like it's coming out of nowhere. And I, I'm not going to pretend like I was just all over Dawson Knox this summer or anything, but, you know, doing a little bit of revisionist history and all that, looking through it, we have a guy who is 96 overall pick in the draft that only didn't produce as much in college because he was on that, you know, Metcalf, yep. AJB Ole Miss team that everyone loves to yep. bring up. And then you look at last year. He was hurt. He, I think he, he's, he only played 12 games. I forget if it was COVID or I think he might got concussed or something. But anyway, 12 games. He was the primary player for them. Like he had 44 targets and the next closest tight end only had 16. The problem was Tyler Croft now on the Jets and Lee Smith now on the Falcons. Like these guys combined for five touchdowns. The Bills last year were the kings of just throwing to random offensive linemen or tight ends near the goal line and getting these other touchdowns. And it just hurt Dawson Knox's upside there. So now with those guys gone, with Knox playing better. I mean, we had a report in June uh, from the athletic that suggesting that Jacob Hollister could become the team starter. If Dawson Knox's struggles continue, Hollister is now on the Jacksonville Jaguars for those keeping track at home. So the three parties that were kind of hurting Dawson Knox last year are all gone and he's made the most out of the opportunities. So now we have a full-time tight end and one of the league's best offenses yeah, Dwayne. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to score two touchdowns every week, but this isn't, you know, some random outburst from Knox. He's playing well and being rewarded for it. Yeah, I think we got to have him just, you know, I think he belongs in the bottom end of the tight end one conversation yeah. from here moving forward. I mean, it is what it is. He's definitely going to have duds 
um, because there's a lot of mouths to feed on the offense. And I think it, what I'll say is I think it, you know, when he's having his big games because they're running more 12, less 10, less 11, that's bad for Cole Beasley. Um, but the cool thing for him is even if Cole Beasley Beasley's out there doing his thing, he's still Knox is still typically on the field. Whereas for Beasley, he's probably more script dependent, you know, whenever you get into a situation like today, even though the bills still keep throwing, they do change up their personnel usage um, from, uh, from 10 and 11, which is four wide receivers and three wide receivers more to the 12 personnel, um, which is two wide receivers and two tight ends. Yeah. Josh Allen, only 29 pass attempts in this game. Usually not all that surprised if that total is doubled by the time 60 minutes are up a uh, quick PFF Lily stat. And I've referenced this a few times, but the Stefan Diggs consistency is just insane people. His two quote unquote worst games in ter- terms of reception total since joining the bills, Last year, he had four catches for 49 yards and a touchdown on the Rams. Touchdown came against one Jalen Ramsey. And this year, four catches, 60 yards, and a score against the Dolphins, right up against David Howard and Byron Jones. Other than that, six catches in his 19 other, or excuse me, 20 other games since he's joined the Bills. Keep on keeping on Stefan Diggs. Bears defeated the Lions 24 to 14. Chicago covered as three point favorites. The under cashed at 42 just by a little bit. Justin Fields, everyone. Turns out he isn't the worst quarterback to ever put on a pair of cleats. I understand we still unfortunately did not get a great fantasy performance out of him, just nine rushing yards and did not throw for a touchdown. But when you only throw the ball 17 times, it's going to be hard to rack up that many fantasy points. The fact he still got to 209 yards is awfully impressive. And this is an example of like when you go back and watch this game, you are going to be awfully impressed with what Fields was able to do. He had a deep crosser to Allen Robinson that I thought was maybe the single best throw of the day but you know what he also had darnell mooney on two downfield shots that were just absolutely beautiful as well i mean there was a certain point in the second quarter where he did it was like an 11 yard scramble where you just saw the acceleration and it was right after a great downfield pass and i was just like how the hell could any person pay you know being paid to put the best team on the field to try to help your job. How could you let this dude sit for even the two weeks that it happened, but whatever he's in the lineup. Now we can let bygones be bygones there. Only problem for these wide receivers was there wasn't more targets to go around for Darnell Mooney. It didn't even really matter. Five catches, 125 yards. Allen Robinson had three catches for 63 yards. Problem was he only had three targets. So definitely, you know, Robinson might need to just peg him down a little bit. This is going to be the sort of run heavy offense we're going to see going. But at the same time, I think we can at least feel better that the product that we saw in week three isn't going to be what it's going to be here moving forward. Uh, David Montgomery, it'd be a great story to talk about him right now. Unfortunately, he did suffer a knee injury, 106 yards and a pair of touchdowns before that happened. Per Ian Rappaport, Montgomery will have an MRI tomorrow. The initial belief based on early tests is that the hyperextended knee did not lead to a major injury, but the additional test will tell the full story. We don't know, but if he misses more than a couple of weeks, like whatever you thought Chuba Hubbard was, Damian Williams is going to be much more than that because we know he can do all these things at a higher level. He's in an offense where he is going to be relied on, I believe, as a legit 80% back you know, Damian Williams, I thought was one of the sneakier kind of handcuffs throughout the entire offseason. He might just get a chance to prove that here moving forward. He was able to chip in this game. I mean, you saw the flashes already 10 touches for 70 yards and a short score himself. You know, we'll see what happens. I hope David Montgomery is obviously gets the health as soon as possible. Just realize that Damian Williams will probably be the poster child on most waiver wire articles you read this week. On the Lions side of things, you know, uh, it was. 
not funny. I mean, it sucked for him, I guess, but Khalif Raymond should have had three touchdowns, man. He had two, unfortunately golf missed them down the seam on what could have been another one. Jamal Williams, uh, out carried Deandre Swift 14 to eight much to the, uh, you know, I guess tiers of fantasy football managers around the world. TJ Hawkinson, four catches, 42 yards, not his best performance by any stretch. We did see Quintez Cephas bounce back with 83 yards, but at this point with these Detroit wide receivers, you know, you're just kind of like throwing or no, it's honestly like Dwayne, remember that, are you a South Park guy? Uh, no. There's an episode where they were trying to explain the economy and kind of go through some stuff like that. And eventually Stan, like Stan just wants to return his dad's like Margaritaville machine. And he ends up getting it like to the people deciding how much everything is worth. And he realizes their method is they have this like giant grid with like a hundred different possible outcomes. And they just cut the head off a chicken and they toss it in the middle. And wherever the chicken ends up dying is what that item gets valued at. So I feel like that's pretty much your best guess with the uh, Detroit Lions passing games. So with that said, Dwayne, can you please tell DeAndre Swift fantasy managers to relax because while today wasn't great, he still has a sort of pass from the role that we love in fantasy land. Yeah, he does. 73% of the snaps versus 30% for Jamal Williams. 71% of the routes versus 13% for Jamal Williams. 35% of the rushing attempts versus 61% where Williams is out there early in the game. But look, the Lions are always going to find themselves in these scripts, either close or they're going to be trailing. And by the time the second half rolls around, most cases, rather than not, you're going to have DeAndre Swift leading the Lions backfield. Let's not say Jamal Williams is bad, but just the roles that you got DeAndre Swift in are more favorable. 74% of the long down, down distance, 100% of the two-minute offense, which we were a little worried about last week because Jamal Williams took over a little bit of that. So it's one of these interesting things, Ian, where, yeah, the fantasy points didn't come through in the box score today, but I'm actually I'm more encouraged by what I saw today from DeAndre Swift's utilization than what I was last week, which kind of actually gave me like just a slight like antenna kind of going up thing like, OK, what's going on here? The Lions suck. If Jamal Williams is going to be out there in a two minute offense, this could become a problem. That wasn't the case today. So Jamal Williams definitely, you know, from a standpoint of he's the guy that's really got to walk more of a fine line to get to his fantasy points for DeAndre Swift. Like it's a much, it's a much wider um, array of opportunity of different paths, right. That could lead to his value, which is really what you want. So DeAndre Swift, you're going to be fine. 15% of the targets, um, 18% targets per route run. Those things are all still elite. Um, you hit almost everything with the bears. Let's see what happens. Damian Williams did come in and demand a target on 25% of the routes run Ooh. ended up with a 12% target share. So I think you really hit the, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head with your analysis around what Damian Williams's value could be. You know, I'm gonna have to check in. I don't know where we are with Tariq Cohen. Um, I know he was on the pop. So I, I, we're getting closer. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But for right now, Damian Williams definitely be on folks radar um montgomery did send out a tweet earlier it does sound like he avoided he he believes and i think the team believes he did avoid major injury but let's wait let's see what happens um as far as the receivers go i mean you already hit look the only thing i'll say with Allen robinson look i know this is not going to be comforting to anyone but 90 percent of the routes led the team 24% 24% of the targets, second on the team behind Darnell Mooney. And you and I talked about Mooney last week on the, sh- on the show about, wow, like, look at this guy. Like, he's doing everything. It's really kind of a 1A, 1B thing between Allen Robinson and, and Darnell Mooney. Cole Komet, even though he's out there, plenty of snaps, he's out there more routes. More of that's going to Mooney, um, you know, as the second, you know, guy in the rotation. Today, he was the first. 
Um, so TJ Hawkinson, last thing on um, back to the Lions real quick. Uh, it's kind of weird going back and forth between teams. My bad. Miller Light talking 23% of the target share. So he's going to be fine, folks. 96% routes run. What's the good number? 80%. What's the good number for targets per route number? 80. 20%. 20 <laughs> targets per route. Targets per route is 20%. Routes run per passing play is 80%. He's at 96. Targets per route run? <laughs> is 20%. He's at 20%. So TJ Hawkinson is doing everything you want. You already mentioned it, eight targets, four receptions. Like he's going to be fine. I don't know that this means there's a buy low potential, but if there was like, I would definitely go buy it. There's really nothing else to want in this offense. It's what, it's what you said, the, the bloody chicken wallowing around all over the, like the, the tic-tac-toe board or connect four or whatever it was. Um, you said it much better than me. Um, but yeah, I would avoid the Lions offense outside of TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. That's the only players I want to own on the Lions offense. Thought you were testing me again with the percentage right after you had said it. I was like, I'm not missing it this time. But you had it. You did. You just heard the time. wrong number. But you did hit the 80%, which is the correct number. Ian. One for two. That and 500 people. That's I'm gonna get you. Career. I'm gonna get you up over 600 before the show's over. PFF Lily takeaway. Just a cool thing I saw. And again, Swift's fine. But this year, in the first three quarters of the game, Swift has 12 catches. In the fourth quarter, he has 11, which makes sense. The Lions are falling behind a lot and we're getting that garbage time. But I don't know, Detroit kind of seems like he's your best offensive player with the ball in his hands. Maybe throwing the ball before the game is out of reach to begin with. Colts defeated the Dolphins 27 to 17 and the cover is a two and a half point dog over cash at 41 and a half, probably like the most boring game of the afternoon. And you know what? For Carson Wentz, that's a good thing because we want boring with ones. Usually it's like horrific. What are you doing? Type of, uh, you know, takeaways from this guy, but Hey, good on him. Two touchdowns to the largest player in the NFL. Mo Ali Cox was able to find Michael Pittman uh, for 59 yards, six catches. And even Zach Pascal, our favorite touchdown hoarder, didn't find the end zone today, but four catches, 44 yards. Jonathan Taylor actually found his way back into the end zone. It is still legal for JT to score touchdowns, 103 yards and a score on the day. And we had the token, we want to trade Marlon Mack, so get a good look of him, everybody. Game, 10 carries, 22 yards, and they even threw him a wheel route, like contested coverage. Like They so clearly wanted to try to get Marlon Mack going in this one, and he just really could not do it. I don't think he looks complete dust or anything like that. Like, okay, maybe he can go somewhere and be a guy. But like, Dwayne, we were talking, you were trying to talk last week about potential trade destinations for Mac. I can't imagine anyone like willingly bringing this in. I think we're looking at like a Jamie Collins type situation where, oh yeah, we want to trade him. Nobody wants to trade for him. Now we're going to cut him, and anyone can take him if you wish. So hey, hopefully Mac turns it around, but it's not going to be in this offense um, on the Dolphins side of the ball, man, at Jalen Waddle, they were peppering him early and they just stopped. And he was actually making some things happen after the catch. I understand last week's stat line was like just ridiculous to, uh, you know, 12 catches for 58 yards or on 13 targets or whatever it was this week, 33 yards on four targets. He just couldn't get more involved than Mike Jasicki who found his way back to the end zone, much to, you know, Dwayne and I is just, we can't figure out what the hell you're doing part of our brains and the big one 
winner from today, Devontae Parker, four catches, 77 yards, and a score. And this was one of the more impressive 4771 stat lines I've seen this season. He dropped a touchdown on a fade, immediately came back the next play and, and came down with his contested catch opportunity in the end zone. He had at least two other just grown man catches in this one. So Devontae Parker is someone, you know, the poster child of like the fantasy communities. Oh, this is the year he gets going from like 2015 to 2018. He had that great year with Fitz. Last year, played through some pain, had some quarterback changes going. But hey, when Parker's right and when he's got a quarterback willing to give him those sort of chances he needs in tight coverage, he is still, you know, one of the better wide receivers, I think, in those 50-50 situations like don't forget people Stefan. I think Jalen Ramsey has taken that you know best cornerback alive crown at this point but a lot of that is because Stefan Gilmore has been so banged up over the past two years and when Gilmore was that king Devontae Parker was his freaking kryptonite so Parker you know I still don't think he's necessarily someone we can trust it's more like a wide receiver four and honestly at this point with Waddle's snaps going up and it's not snaps but his targets kind of being so volatile with Jacoby under center uh, I'm not sure if I'm too interested in playing any of these guys as long as Jacoby is there other than maybe Mike Jasicki, but at least we're seeing Parker going out there making some plays. Maybe we'll see a situation where we can get behind Parker and Waddle because Will Fuller, of course, not exactly known for being able to stay on the field, suffered a hand injury. To my knowledge, it didn't look like he returned. I don't know, Dwayne, you know, I was never paid to catch footballs professionally. Seems like having two healthy hands might be important to accomplish that task. So that's all I got here. Let's talk about um, a situation that we were down on appropriately. And now it's like, oh, my God, even we weren't low enough, Dwayne. Let's talk about the Miami backfield. Yeah. If you're still telling yourself that it's going to be okay if I own Miles Gaskin, you know, it's okay. It's okay. I got him as my RB2. Who gives a shit? You do not want this player in your lineup. It's a disaster. Um, they're rotating backs. They have been for multiple weeks. And like this week was just really the crescendo Malcolm Brown, the elite Malcolm Brown, <laughs> you know, Ian, he's elite. That's his 60s. full name. Ma- Malcolm elite Brown. A lot of people <laughs> Malcolm, don't know that. That's really what it is. But for some reason, he's 67% of the snaps, uh, 57% of the rushing attempts, 75% of the short down distance, 55% of the long down distance and a hundred. You gotta have, you, you have to, Ian, you have to have Malcolm Brown. He's so speedy. He's such an elusive player. You must have him out there on the, during the two minute offense like that. That's where you make your money. If you're Malcolm Brown, that's a problem for miles Gaskin. He's essentially lost everything, dignity, respect, snaps, routes, you name it. They are all gone from miles Gaskin. You should not have him in your starting lineup. Um, like he's borderline droppable at this point. Like, I mean, I'm not going to say go drop him like, uh, but you you cannot have him in your lineup, like period. Like you cannot. If you have him in your lineup, don't show Ian and I, because we do not want to see it. We don't want to talk to you about it. We don't want to try to comfort you. All we're telling you is that we love you and that you should get Miles Gaskin on your bench. Okay. Until we see something else, he is the best back in the backfield, folks. We, we get it. We agree. But the coaches, for whatever reason, on this team, they don't care. So you just got to move along right now. Um, the only positive is that Ahmed is really just been reduced it's mainly a two it's a two person backfield but the problem is Malcolm Brown is getting all of it I don't get it it's maddening um it's like the Marlon Mack thing 31% of the, of the snaps to Marlon Mack 22 uh, 29% of the rushing attempts you know you got to keep Jonathan Taylor close to the 50% you know of the rushing attempts the end you have to because that's how you win games in the NFL you got to keep Jonathan Taylor towards just half of the rushing attempts so 
to your point, evidently Marlon Mack, no one really wanted him to trade. So they're not going to play him again. That really sucks for the whole backfield sucks for Naheem Hines sucks for Jonathan Taylor. Um, it is what it is. Jonathan Taylor, though, you're at least going to keep playing um, because he's a really good player. Miles Gaskins, probably replacement level, you know, maybe worse. Michael Pittman is the bright spot of this game. 25% of the targets, 94% of the routes. Um, that's three weeks in a row over that number of 25%. So Michael Pittman officially, you can put the stamp on it. He's a target hog. So you're going to want to keep playing. Yeah, great stuff from Michael Pittman over the past few weeks. And I do think more so if you go from the playoff game to what we've seen this year, have seen more flashes of him being more than just a big yak guy. Hey, that's not a bad thing to be in and of itself, but you know, we could see a scenario where he does emerge as a pretty legit wide receiver. One PFF Lewis that is in respect to Carson Wentz zero people. And let me explain this before you turn off the podcast, zero turnover worthy plays this year for Carson Wentz. He has one interception when he tried to underhand a ball to Jack Doyle on a shovel pass where Doyle pretty much got taken out. Maybe he shouldn't have done that. I understand if you want to charge that as one, but it was iffy. And he's only fumbled once. And the fumble was on a fourth and one bad snap where they were trying to QB sneak the ball. So once he's still holding the ball a little bit too long, we're taking the sacks. It's not been great, but he has been doing a better job than in past years of at least not turning that thing over. So this is why, you know, a lot like any stat, like PFF grades, turnover worthy plays, interceptions, yards per attempt, any stat needs to be taken, you know, in proper context. That's why Dwayne's whole life mission is to tell you all that context matters. But, you know, when I was, I sent out a cool chart last week, it just showed big time throw rate and turnover worthy play rate, you know, showing the quarterbacks and where they kind of lined up on a, on an axis. You know, I didn't excel all the cool kids, I guess only think that they think you need R to like make any freaking graph these days. Like you can still do these things uh, with a simple Excel chart people, but that's a battle for another day that I'll probably lose to a bunch of really smart guys. But anyway, uh, one person just said like, Oh, these turnover worthy plays seem pretty subjective. I bet Lamar's pick six to honey badger was ruled one, even though the wide receiver like wasn't paying attention. It's like, no, that specific play you mentioned actually wasn't one because those are the types of things we're trying to avoid. Dwayne, do you have something you want to say? Oh, no, no. I just love, I love whenever Ian catches like, (laughs) I love when you catch a nerd by the tail, Ian, sometimes it's me. So, I mean, I like it. (laughs) I like it when you do that. You're like, no, no, nobody. No, no, actually we we didn't count that one. (laughs) You were giving me the one. I was like, I'm not sure if you want to say something, if you're saying I'm number one. So I appreciate that. But you are on a, you are (laughs) my heart. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> all right. Last one of the one o'clock group jets defeated the Titans 27, 24 jets covered as a five and a half point dog over cash that 44 and a half. So Ryan Tannehill couldn't quite get the 300 yard mark on 49 attempts, probably because both Julio Jones and AJ Brown were out with hamstring injuries. So I believe going into this game, Tannehill was our third highest graded quarterback took seven sacks in this one. You know, usually that does tend to be a little bit more of a quarterback stat than an O-line stat, but Let's just stop with the every time Tannehill has a mediocre game, like we need to think about, hey, is this like Miami Tannehill coming back now? He's been doing this for two and a half years. He didn't have his top two receivers in this game. Chill out, everyone. Derrick Henry, 33 carries, 157 yards, and a tutty on the ground, just doing big dog things. I mean, you guys know he is probably the RB1 at this point with Kamara not getting the catches and CMC out. And as far as the receivers, man, it wasn't, I mean, okay, these guys had okay games, but it wasn't Chester Rogers, wasn't really Josh Reynolds, wasn't Nick Westbrook. We're still not going to learn your entire last name yet. Jeremy McNichols, eight catches, 74 yards on 12 targets. Derrick Henry, for those counting at home, just two targets. 
I don't know, Dwayne, it seems like to me that getting, you know, a Henry, maybe even half of those would make more sense. But when the guy has 35 touches in the game, it's really hard to argue too much about Henry's usage. So good on you, Jeremy Nichols. And if any of you out there in 32 team leagues happen to start uh, Jeremy in this spot, you know, good for you as well. The good more interesting side of things was this New York Jets offense who finally had a chance to do something with themselves. They faced Carolina's blitz happy and just pressure happy more than anything defense in week one impossible spots against the Patriots and Broncos. After that this week, Zach Wilson making plays, man, 53 yard bomb to Corey Davis, 54 yard bomb to Keelan Cole. Like these are throws that only a handful of quarterbacks in the league could make. So wasn't all good. Like he should have won this game with a touchdown, not a field goal, but he skipped the damn ball to Ryan Griffin's feet. Others uh, misfires throughout the game. But again, it's that off script, just tantalizing arm talent ability, which is why this dude was a second overall pick. I'm happy we got to see some actual signs of that in the NFL game instead of just having to rely on what he did at BYU. So, no, I don't think Zach's necessarily going to give us any sort of fantasy value. He rushed for negative two yards in this game. Like, there's no rushing floor. Clueless is still a pretty bad offense overall. But at least we got Corey Davis, who had 111 yards in that aforementioned uh, long touchdown. And maybe even the returning Jameson Crowder, seven catches, 61 yards, and a score to mess with. Would note Elijah Moore was out of this one with a concussion once we bring him back into the equation that's going to muddle things up even more and uh denzel mims who was active for this one was getting a lot of hype zero targets so uh yeah they can keep telling us everything they want about denzel mims so it doesn't seem like it's going to happen this year Dwayne, you got some talk about the uh jets backfield because i thought we were down to michael carter and ty johnson but oh no here comes mr tevin coleman again but it's okay it's okay do you hear that noise that that's listen yeah, well, it's my computer. It's acting stupid. For some reason, it's really noisy. But what I would like to say that is, is Michael Carter just slowly starting to take a grip, right, around the backfield. 51% of the snaps, 34% routes, 57% of the rushing attempts. That's two weeks over 50%. And he started to pull away a little bit of the long down and distance work. He is almost at 60% of the short down and distance work. So I think we're officially at that spot where Michael Carter is the lead back for the offense. I know it's not a great offense, but like you said, they've had a, they had tough matches matchups early in the season. So I think we're in a better spot with Carter going forward it, it, this week, really last week, it's kind of been this, it's been this evolution that's been slowly one step at a time, but I do believe Carter's taking over Ty Johnson last week really handled all the passing down work. Well, this week really Ty Johnson was kind of like just 30% of everything, 30% of the snaps, 30% of the routes, 13% of the rushes, there's a three in there. I know it wasn't a 30. 14% of the short down distance. I don't know. There's no four, there's no three. But if there's 43% of the long down distance, there is a three in that. So, but he's just, he's he's really more of a backup, like across the board. And then Tevin Coleman's taken, you know, somewhere between eight and 20, 18 and 20% of each of those categories. So Michael Carter slowly taking over. Corey Davis, um, <laughs> it's kind of funny because this week, like in my uh, tears article, I was like, well, if you like Brandon Cooks, you should like Corey Davis. And this is why, like, you just get a better matchup, right, for a bad passing offense. And it worked out. He had 24% of the targets, uh, 49% of the air yards, very similar to what we saw with Brandon, Brandon Cooks actually beat those marks today. But it was in a better matchup. Yeah. And so we saw Davis come through, um, perform. Uh, I don't know where he ranked for the day, Ian, but he's probably borderline wide receiver one so far. Yeah. He's wide receiver two probably. And then Jameson Crowder was back. So finally, Crowder's dealt with COVID. He's dealt with a growing injury. You know, he was hurt during the preseason. Um, so that really relegated Braxton Berrios back to the bench. Uh, 74, 74% of the routes, 
Um, he had 26% of the targets, which was number one on the team. He had 32% targets per route run, which is really solid. Um, average 2.18 yards per route run. So probably looking at this being, you know, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore on the outside, when they go to 11 personnel, three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back, you're going to see Jamison Crowder back in the slot. And look, we've seen Crowder have some really nice games, you know, in the past. I know people want to just give up on him and they move on. I would much rather own Crowder than any of the receivers right now on the Titans, even if Julio Jones and, um, you know, uh, AJ Brown were out next week, because I just, I'm not sure where that's going to go. It's just kind of spread out a little bit everywhere. Um, so with the jets, social positives, they have some more good matchups on the, on the horizon. So I think this could be a little mini, I don't want to call it like an awakening, but like they're not asleep anymore is what I would say. So I, I think you can get a little bit out of this jet, this jets offense moving forward. If Michael Carter is on, we'll have a waiver wire show obviously tomorrow, but preview if Michael Carter's out there, he's definitely a player that we'll be talking about. They got the Falcons next week, Dwayne. We got to buy yeah. after that, but that Falcons game, we are loving that. And yeah, with Crowder, man, nine targets. Like, we'll take that. It's never been about the players so much. I was skeptical that with Davis, with Elijah Moore, that he could still maintain this sort of role. But it's kind of setting up for even once Elijah comes back, he and Corey Davis will be on the outside. And hey, if Zach Wilson and company want to feed the slot, just like, you know, Darnold and Gase did before them and it works out, so be it. PFF Lily matchup stat. So the rushing triple crown, I'm not sure if it's a real thing, but I made it one when I was bored in the summer one time. Most rush attempts, most rushing yards, most rushing touchdowns. You got to get all three of those to get your triple crown. Only two guys in NFL history have done it in more than one year. OJ Simpson and Derrick Henry, who is on a two-year streak of winning the triple crown. And my goodness, if Sam Darnold keeps scoring, you know, all these touchdowns, Sam Darnold, number one in the league with five rushing touchdowns right now, which is absurd. As long as Henry can hold off Mr. Darnold for that rushing touchdown score, I think he's going to get there, people. On pace for 480 carries, 2,168 rushing yards, and 17 rushing touchdowns. Dwayne, it's barely October like, we're not even the winner yet, man. Like, the winner is coming, and I don't even know what it's going to be for Henry at that point. 60 carries, 300 yards. It's going to be like when you were a jackass kid and you were, like, putting the NCAA 2006 difficulty on freaking rookie and just blowing those dudes out. So, anyway, NFL Week 4 is in the books, which means PFF has data and grace for every single player who logged a snap last week. What can you get with the PFF subscription? Well, all of PFF's locked article content, PFF's NFL and college football betting dashboards, 0 to 100 grades of every single player, including the top Top rookies on every team, our player prop tool, which shows plus minus value for every NFL prop and more. So check out the highest graded players from week four and look to find early value on spread picks and player props for week five. Also, we have DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a week five offer for every football fan that you should jump on right now. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets. If either team scores a point, the last 0 0 time the NFL was in 1943. So it's looking like a no brainer, people. Again, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. It's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the nfl must be 21 or older new jersey indiana or pennsylvania only new customers only men five dollar deposit and one dollar wager required one per customer or shipping supply see draftings.com slash for details gambling problem called 1-800 gambler 
I also want to note that the Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves, buying your first home, plan to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. So team up to identify your needs and address your goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Last one, people. It's football season, baby. And you know what that means? It means we're going for two here with the sponsor of today's show, Manscaped. Should have read this before I started. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier. And it's time you join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code PFF at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. It's three and out the window with all other trimmers. Now go tame that Wildcat offense. The brand new Lawnmower 4.0 is here to take your defense to the next level. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grip accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology fantastic stuff again get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code pff at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com use code pff stiff arm your pubes out of the playoffs this year with manscaped Dwayne, we got the afternoon games to clear up four more of them after I've just lost my dignity there. Ravens 23, Broncos 7. Who doesn't love the blitz through hair? <laughs> Come on. I mean, everybody loves the blitz through hair. It's uh, it's better than some of the reads we had going earlier in the uh, <laughs> season. That's all I'll say. Baltimore covers as a one-point dog. The under cashes at 44. Unfortunately, Teddy Bridgewater suffered a concussion, and this one was not able to return in the second half. As some of you might know, I am a major Drew Locke apologist. Not because I think he's good. I just think he's entertaining for sometimes good and oftentimes for much, much worse. If I had to describe his playing style, I would say it's like a middle-class man's Jameis Winston, you know, on crack or something like that. So with Drew Locke, we (laughs) saw a lot of that in this one. I mean, it was just bad, man. It was like he was... He must have had Cortland Sutton on his fantasy team because it was one bomb after another, and then at the end of the game, he was just feeding him end zone targets. Ultimately, Sutton couldn't finish with more than three catches for 47 yards. It was just bad. I really wish I had something. I, I have one nice thing to say about Drew Locke. He had one play that got called back on a holding where he broke a tackle and made like a cool 20-yard pass downfield. That's all I got, one play. So moving right along in the first part of the game, our friend Alberto had a step down the sideline. Teddy just missed him. Why was there a 40-yard target going downfield to an open Alberto? I don't know, but it could have been a nice completion. And we also had you know one of many opportunities deep for Sutton, but Locke just sailed it. One in particular, he was uh, especially wide open, would have been good for 40-plus. Lamar Jackson had a nice week, 316 yards and a touchdown. Gorgeous bomb to Marquise Brown, who caught it this time. 49-yard diving score, caught four of his five targets for 91 yards on the day. And should have been an even bigger day for Lamar and Mark Andrews. Their 30-yard touchdown that ended up getting called back on a face mask, I believe, that seemed to pretty much have nothing to do with the play. So, sucks when that happens, but just realize, I mean, ever since Mark Andrews had that, you know, relatively slow start in the season, he has come back with a vengeance over the past few weeks. You know, Lamar was Lamar, only ran for 28 yards in this one. I don't think it had too much to do with the back issue. I think it was just Baltimore being up by 10 for the majority of this game, and Lamar continuing, to be fair, to have a lot of success throwing the ball through the air so should only you know continue as we get Rashad Bateman back into the lineup before too long I guess the big talking point Dwayne I don't have too much more to talk about on the Broncos so Tyson Williams surprise healthy scratch man I thought Tyson looked like the best running back in Baltimore so far this year they seem to really say the same throughout the preseason when they had all these injuries in the first place but then you look up and it's Latavius Le'Veon and Devontae Freeman 
tell the people what there is to take away from this group. And if you have any idea why Tyson was pretty much cast aside. Yeah, I don't have an idea, but they have been moving more and more to Latavius Murray. So Latavius Murray is the player you want to own right now. 67% of the rushing attempts. That's really high um, for the Ravens backfield considering, right? I mean, the quarterback typically gets 10 to 30%. Lamar Jackson had 11% of the design rushing attempts today. Um, 17% of the attempts went to Le'Veon Bell and then 6% went to Devonta Freeman. I don't know how much you folks have watched Devonta Freeman, but I've watched pretty much all of his carries just doesn't look right. You know, it's gone. Um, At least it seems that way right now. Maybe he's dealing with an injury or something, but they obviously like him better than Williams, which is surprising because I mean, Freeman does not look good. Um, 75% of the two minute offense went to Le'Veon Bell. So Le'Veon Bell maybe is going to be the passing down back. Um, So short down and distance, 100%. So short down and distance, again, I guess I should clarify these things. Not everybody is listening to the podcast again for like the fifth time. This could be the first time, um, but short down and distance is one to two yards to go on second, third, or fourth down. Um, So it's a better stat than inside the five because typically they're synonymous. You just want the back. You know, the team wants out there when they just got to get a few yards and they want to make sure they get the conversion. So Latavius Murray owned 100% of that role today. Um, Long down and distance is third down, fourth down, and over three yards to go. Situations where the NFL, on average, passes 90% or more. So you know they're going to want the best pass pass catching back or the the back that can protect, right, and pass protection. And that really went more to uh, Le'Veon Bell a little bit more today, 48, uh, sorry, 36% for him. But he got the two-minute offense, which is really when the offense is in the hurry up and just trying to score points, typically at the end of a half um, or if they're in comeback mode. So Le'Veon Bell looks to be more the passing down back, right now Latavius Murray is going to handle more of the short down distance and the early down stuff and then you have um, you know you already hit on Andrews you already hit on Marquise Brown nothing new there both look great um, from utilization perspective everything's still good we're still waiting um, you know eventually on having the return right of the rookie wide receiver um, Ian, why is my mind going blank? On the Bateman, we're receiver? good. God, it's it's, it's, it's 90 minutes in. We're good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, we're still waiting. So we know he did practice last week. We'll see what happens um, and how that impacts, you know, the Ravens receiving core going forward. I know everybody's got a lot of questions about that. Um, no offense. All of you folks, I, I probably get, I would say, Noah Fan is probably the second or third player I get the most DMs on because people love the tight end equation. They're like, tell me enough Fant. And I'm like, yeah, it's not there. He was there this week. 86% routes in. What's the number we want to be at? 80. 80. Yes. Ian, you're batting over 600 Let's now go. for the show. 86%. That's 6% above where we want to be. And 27% of the targets today, 26% targets per route run, which we want to be over 20%. So the two numbers we care about the most, Noah Fant, well above both of those. We'll see if this is something that sticks. But Albert O was out there, but much less. Only 26% of the snaps, 20% uh, of the routes per pass play today. So let's keep an eye on Noah Fant. If he could hold these numbers, like that would push him up towards the top six as far as the tight ends go. Like that would get him up there to where we really want him to be and where we all want him to be. We all love Noah Fan. We just want to see him up there next to his old teammate, TJ Hawkinson. They need to be buddies again. So let's make that happen. Let's see what let's see what goes on with that. Pat Shermer, Broncos offense. Let's make sure that we get that done. PFF Lily Stack goes to Lamar Jackson first in yards per completion this season at 14.3 minimum 25 passes 
Fourth in yards per rush at 6.6. The dude is not fair. Passer, runner. Hey, the goal in football is to try to pick up as many yards per play as possible. Lamar does that better than just about anyone. Quit slandering the man. But I feel like it's becoming one of those things that, you know, we talk about people that slander Lamar and it's less and less. There's some weirdos out there on the old Twitter sphere, but there's a lot of weirdos out there everywhere. So (laughs) we will not worry. We will not give them a platform as often in the future. Next one, disappointing. You know, there's... Hell of a week one for the Steelers since then been pretty rough. Packers 27, Steelers 17, Green Bay covers at six and a half point favorites, under cash is at 45. Dwayne, I think Najee Harris was legitimately crying in the middle of the fourth quarter. That's how bad this was in this game. That's how freaking terrible this offense has gotten with Big Ben. We talked about the fourth and 10 last week when he literally just dumped the ball down to Najee Harris, didn't look downfield for a second. Najee got stuffed. This week, they had like a fourth and five. He did the exact same thing. He didn't look downfield for a second. He dumped the ball down. Like this is, these are not like fourth downs in the second quarter where like it really makes sense. Like you're just going for it and maybe there's pressure and you just need to get rid of the ball. A game is on the line situations. I don't know. Maybe try to hold it. If you're ever going to take a hit, like these are to play to. So so what happens in the third, fourth down we've now had over the past two weeks. I'm not sure how much of the offense Matt Canada calls, but someone decided let's put Ben in empty. I presume. So we couldn't check the ball down to Najee Harris in the flat again, without looking anywhere. And he didn't, it wasn't an option. And say through the ball, Juju Smith-Schuster at the line of scrimmage. And he got stopped about six yards short of the first down. It's unwatchable at this point, Dwayne. And it's unless you're Najee Harris or Deontay Johnson, you should absolutely despise Big Ben. And I mean, I, I think Najee does at this point as well. If that happened, I don't know if Najee was actually crying, but he was on a knee with his hand in his freaking head. And it's pretty funny to imagine him actually crying out there. So with that said, Najee did come back six more catches, 62 yards on the ground and a score. Deontay Johnson came back and looked as good as ever. Nine catches, 92 yards and a 45 yard score over guess who Jair Alexander haters say he pushed off I say that's how you get separation and if you're good enough to not get noticed by the refs then kudos to you so that was the Steelers offense and again just more of the same from Big Ben. there is not a more washed quarterback in the league right now and I'm not sitting here necessarily trying to just shame Big Ben for no reason the dude as I'm looking up right now is 39 years old this is what happens to pretty much every quarterback that's not named Tom Brady so it's just life. Father time undefeated. Big Ben is another victim on the other side of the ball. Just pretty, you know, other than Devontae Adams only having six catches for 64 yards, your ho-home um, experience, Aaron Rodgers, 248 yards, pair of scores, both to Randall Cobb. It was, I guess it was surprising to see MBS out and Cobb really assume that role. I was thinking it might be more Lazard getting the targets, but this could also just be a situation, Dwayne, where they brought Cobb along a little bit slowly coming back. Maybe now's the time where he is going to be the starting slot here moving forward. I guess the most interesting thing could have certainly been due a little bit more to uh you know the game script and the way things were going green bay did hold a 27 to 10 lead uh into the third quarter but aj dunn and aaron jones both with 15 carries we did see jones get more usage as a receiver as he should he's a baller but Dwayne, what were your big takeaways here from this wide receiver and running back usage in green bay yeah with lazard he's typically the slot player but with mvs out today he had to kick outside so that basically opened his role up for randall cobb my guess is it goes back to what it was before it it could potentially mean that 
Cobb leaps, you know, Lazard once we get MVS back, or it could just mean that we've got three receivers rotating right behind Devontae Adams, which is probably the most likely thing. Um, as far as the running backs go, I mean, it was just a situation where at the end of the game, they finally let AJ Dillon kind of run things out. Um, they hadn't been doing that. They've been giving that to Kylan Hill, which was really problematic for AJ Dillon truthers who have been drafting him saying he would have standalone value because up until now, Basically, um, what was happening is everything early in the game was going Aaron Jones, and then you might get in the middle of the game where they were kind of ahead and you'd get A.J. Dillon, and then as soon as the Packers got ahead by a decent margin, they were going to Kylan Hill, which meant there was just this really tight needle that you had to thread to give A.J. Dillon like any kind of path towards value. So this made more sense to me. You know, you get ahead, you want to let the bigger back just kind of pound away in the four-minute offense, get things done, get out of the game, keep everybody else healthy. Um, so I think Dylan can carry value moving forward if you think that the Packers are going to be a heavy favorite. Outside of that, I really still don't want to do much with A.J. Dillon. 63% of the snaps went to Jones, 40% went to Dylan. If you take away some of those looks in the garbage time, like you're going to get him down to 20 25% again, right? So any kind of game where it's going to be competitive, close, um, Aaron Jones is still going to by far be the lead back. Uh, if you look at the short down and distance, that's the positive for AJ Dillon. Now, some of this is because those came later in the game, but 67% versus 33% for Aaron Jones, but Aaron Jones was still the back that was clearly preferred on passing downs and otherwise during the game. As far as the Steelers go, um, Deontay Johnson, man, 36% target share when the dude plays, he's it. Like he is the number one, no doubt about it. No one else is really honestly close, like because we see these other these other guys play even when he's out like they don't get towards what he's at. I mean, and this has been going on long enough where, look, it's essentially Deontay Johnson's going to be 30 to 35 percent of the targets every week if he can complete the game and Juju Claypool. Washington doesn't, it actually doesn't matter. You can name the player. It matters somewhat. Like they got to be good enough to like at least demand this enough targets, but they're going to be somewhere between 15 and 20%, you know, of the targets. Um, so it's really Deontay Johnson's world and uh, everyone else is just living in it. You already hit, you know, I, I feel bad for Najee. Uh, I hope that he wasn't about to cry. Like uh, fantasy owners shouldn't be about to cry though. 80% of the snaps, 94% of the rushing attempts, um, a little bit lower on the routes per drop back this week, 65%. They decided to get Benny Snell and Kalen Balazs involved in the game a little later. But still, man, 18% of the targets. Like that's a great number for a back. Man, if you can be between 15 and 20% for a back, that's elite, elite target share status. Najee still has that. Still got a stranglehold on all the rushing attempts. So as bad as the offense is, like we've said all along, Ian, Najee, volume, 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 volume. Oh, yeah. Add a little more volume on top of that. Volume, volume, volume. Uh, only other thing I would add is uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, two catches, 11 yards on eight targets. He should have had like a 30-yard score, though. But guess what? Big Ben sailed it because that is life in this Pittsburgh offense when it's not dump-offs to Deontay and Najee and the occasional great play from one of these guys downfield. Chase Claypool was out with a hamstring injury, but as our PFF Lily stat will show, it just doesn't matter with Deontay's targets. In non-injury impacted games since week one of last season, I will rip these off quick, but you will get the trend also quickly. 10, 13, 15, 10, 11, 16, 13, 12, 7, 7. He got benched against the Bills for some drops, which have not been an issue this year. Since then, 13, 14, 16, and then 2021, 10, 12, and 13 targets. Deontay Johnson. Yeah, it'd be great if his quarterback's arm wasn't about to fall off. Hopefully, we get to see what that looks like in 2022. But for now, still anyone's up, anyone's idea of an upside wide receiver, too, at the absolute worst. 
Cardinals took the Rams to the woodshed 37 to 20 covered as three and a half point underdogs. The over cash at 53 and a half just wasn't really Matthew Stafford's day. I guess this, you know, we talk about, Oh, classic letdown spot after the fact a lot, but I think coming off that big win over the Buccaneers, maybe we could have seen this coming. If we had looked a little bit closer, Matthew Stafford, you know, had a potential 30 yard score to Cooper cup towards the end of the game that could have made things a little bit closer. Wasn't able to get it to him. Some people were saying cup kind of got knocked off at the beginning of the route perhaps but it just wasn't Stafford's sharpest day we finally got the 41 pass attempts we did get the Robert Woods touchdown but didn't come until this very last drive of the game and I mean it was an awfully disappointing first 55 minutes for Bobby Trees managers but hey four catches 48 yards and the score still was Cooper Cup's show though 13 targets nobody else in this offense had more than six shout out Van Jefferson for having 90 yards and a score certainly looking like those are the big three in the offense I did find it funny. I was looking at uh, the ESPN box score after the game, just seeing, you know, how things went and who got the yards and all that. And uh, Robert Woods wasn't showing us having a touchdown. And I was like, I just watched him score with my own two eyes. Like I, I hit refresh. What am I missing here? I don't think the ESPN, like, you know, behind the scenes technology would accept that Bobby trees made his way back into the end zone. It took them a good 10, 15 minutes to update, but in fact, it did happen. People, my eyes were not lying to me there. On the Cardinals side of things, here we have some fun stuff to talk about. Kyler Murray, more goodness. Again, he just does his 268 yards and two passing touchdowns don't even do it justice. The throws he was putting on tape, you know, down to seam to Max Williams for a touchdown. Just a perfect ball to A.J. Green for a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins down the sideline, putting the spot only where he could get it. Just more of the same from Kyler Murray, who is quickly – I don't know if MVP front runner is the right word, but he's certainly in that top three, top four at the absolute worst at this moment in time um, on the ground, chase Edmonds, you know, Hey Dwayne, we named chase Edmonds and David Montgomery as the top two trade target running backs. Obviously Montgomery's injury made things a little rough, but you could see maybe where we were coming from with that performance today. And with Edmonds here, man, four catches and 120 yards on the ground, heavily aided by a 54 yard run. But guess what? He's a great player. When's the last time James Conner had a 54-yard run? You know, you don't see these splash plays from lesser athletes. That does not fit Chase Edmonds. So, yes, James Conner took the goal line touch goal line touchdowns and you can tell like they wanted to get Edmonds a touchdown at the end of the game when it stopped mattering they fed him several uh touches inside the five and ten yard line trying to actively get him a score wasn't meant to be he is due and again people like it's not great that James Conner is there right now that's what's stopping Edmonds from being more than this kind of low-end RB2 but god forbid arguably the most injury prone player in the entire league misses time Chase Edmonds ceiling is literally the moon in this high scoring offense Dwayne, I just want to get your take on the receivers because, you know, I do my wide receiver cornerbacks and tight end column every week. And I think Max Williams is someone we actually need to start paying attention to. He is being used with a full-time rate and Kyler keeps going back to the guy. And also I think it's time to stop ignoring AJ green. We've, we've gotten here, man. It's week four. We didn't give it to him in week two when he beat up on Bashad Breeland. We didn't give it to him in week three when he beat up on the Jaguars. But, hey, man, this was the Rams' defense, and he wasn't exactly eating Jalen Ramsey's lunch or anything like that. But apparently, Kyler Murray can get more out of A.J. Green than Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow could, which, you know, isn't the craziest thought in the world. So thoughts on these receivers and running backs here in Arizona? Yeah, uh, start with the backs real quick. I mean, Edmonds' boom is still coming. You know, the, the roles are the same that we've talked about through the weeks. I'll write them up again tomorrow in the utilization report. But 17% target share. For Chase Edmonds and a, on a team that likes to run the, that likes to pass the ball plenty. So just 
remember that number. Like if he can be around 40% of the rushing attempts, he can be around 15 to 20% of the targets on the year. Like he's having a great shot of finishing. He'll finish as an RB two, but he has a shot for as the season goes, like that utilization could actually catapult him like up the boards. If he has a, if he has a few things that start to break his way, as far as the receivers go. Um, yeah. AJ green is the one that I would actually say, um, you know, he's out there enough. 93% of the routes, uh, 23% of the targets, uh, 28% of the air yards, whereas DeAndre Hopkins was 23% of the targets and 45% of the air yards. DeAndre Hopkins was out there 100% of the time that the Cardinals dropped back to pass, which totally makes sense. And then Christian Kirk is right there as well, though. So, I mean, I still think there's going to be a bit of a rotation between Green, between Kirk. I mean, they were at 93% and 88% of the routes. I still personally prefer Kirk because he gets to line up in the slot the most. Um, I do believe he's still, he's going to be he's the better player at this age, but Having said that, I mean, A.J. Green, to your point, he has shown, you know, something over the last couple of weeks. I think it's still going to just be a bit of, okay, how do we determine who's going to be the player each week? As far as Max Williams goes, he's still not there for me. 49% of the routes uh, per pass play, that's way below where we want to be. 25% targets per route run is really great, right, when we want to be around 20%, which got him to the 17% target share. Um, Encouraging the way that he gets used as well, like his uh, 3.3 yards per route run, like they use him down field he's not he's not the type of tight end um you know where he gets a check down right with an a dot of two or three yards he is working further down the field and he's playing really well and look max williams was a second round pick for the ravens what six seven years ago now um but he's a guy in dynasty leagues that i held out on forever just never worked out so i mean there's talent there but we definitely need to see more routes before i would be willing other than like in super super deep type formats to really be willing to run him out there every single week. I think he's a low end tight end too, based on utilization, but the, but he's definitely a, he's a player that's flashing for sure. Like every time I watch when I see Max Williams, I am almost like, who's this, who's this new tight end they got? He you had know, the because, most, like fluky big play ever a couple of weeks ago. It was like a double tip. Yes. Pass. I'm like I'm not falling for this, but no, he's overcoming with a ton of great plays. You're right. Yeah. And, and then for the Rams real quick, Daryl Henderson, man. Um, he doesn't care about rip cartilage, 90% of the snaps, 81% of the routes, 67% of the rushing plays, 89% of the short down and distance, 92% of the long down and distance, 13% target share. Um, Sonny Michelle, you don't exist. I'm sorry. I love you. Your mother probably loves you as well, but in fantasy football, you don't exist. You're merely a handcuff. You should not be in any lineups In smaller formats. You can be dropped. Yeah. Not great for Sony. And this was a situation that we were kind of taking a pass on. Like Dwayne Henderson's a top 15 running back, maybe top 12. He's probably top 12. With I mean, his utilization, is, yeah. his utilization is there and he plays in a great offense. I do believe that the time is coming for Daryl Henderson. Knock on wood. Hope that doesn't make anybody scared. I did it very lightly because I know Ian can get excited. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, look, when you see this type of, of usage, it typically does equal an RB1. I would much rather own Daryl Henderson, Daryl Henderson than Corderell Patterson. Like it's not close. Like these things have a way of leveling out. Um, so yes, I, I buy low right now if you can on Henderson because he didn't pop off today in the uh, in the box score, but everything looks good. He's a player that's always going to carry injury risk. You know, I mean, there, there's look, but most players do. So you're just going to have to live with it. But if you think the Rams' offense is good, check. If you think that he is for sure the lead back on the team with looking at utilization, check. 
that's all you really need to know. I mean, the guy gets to play all the time. So you want to have him on your roster if you can get him there. But like this was the concern. It was Sony came late into the picture. Henderson got hurt. We knew Sean McVay wasn't a fan of that. What would happen after we saw a game with Sony fully immersed into the offense? And it was still the Daryl Henderson show, even with him seemingly playing through the pain still. So yeah, all the Henderson moving forward, people, you're very happy if you snagged him in the quote-unquote RB dead zone. And he is our PFF Lily matchup stat. This year, week one, 17 touches, 87 yards, and a score. Week two, 16 touches, 82 yards, and a score. And today, 19 touches and 116 scoreless yards. If we can get 15-plus touches from anyone inside of the Sean McVay offense, people, again, that is an RB1. Final matchup to get there. Thank you, as always, for sticking here with us. Seahawks defeated the 49ers 28-21. to Seattle covered as two-and-a-half-point dogs. The under cashed at 52. So I believe we did get an update because the major news from this game, all you Trey Lance fantasy hoarders out there, is that Jimmy G suffered an alleged calf injury at halftime. I'm sure it actually is a calf injury, but we were joking at the PFF office, like, you know, Jimmy walks to the locker room door, and there's Shanahan with a baseball bat, just like takes it, takes them out. Like, yeah, Jimmy's hurt. I don't know what to do, guys. Like, sorry, I'm, I'm sticking with the plan. But per ESPN's Adam Schefter, Jimmy G, who got hurt and did not play a second half today, told reporters that he will undergo an MRI in his calf. And, you know, breaking news here. Hope it's just a couple of weeks or something. So clearly Jimmy G seems to have a good grasp on the injury timeline. Either way, everything we saw from Trey Lance is exactly why he became a fantasy darling of sorts during this offseason. And it's just rushing yards. Like between him and Fields, the move was always going to be Lance because he is more of a run-first quarterback than Fields. And boy, is he ever. And 30 minutes of play, he ran seven times for 41 yards, also threw two touchdowns, both to Debo Samuel. Yeah, the 76-yard touchdown was a complete blown coverage. I believe Jamal Adams was yelling at someone. It seemed like he was supposed to take the wheel. I know in cover three, the flat defender is supposed to run with the wheel. Whoever was responsible, they did not run with the wheel. Not let the Debo going 76 yards untouched. Debo then had a grown-ass man touchdown from short distance later. Finished the day with eight catches, 156 yards, and a pair of scores. So if you thought this was shifting to more of a Debo, Brandon Ayuk situation, not so fast, my friend, Brandon. Ayuk, one catch, 15 yards on just three targets. We did see George Kittle go four catches for 40 yards. He almost had a touchdown similar to that Zach Ertz play from before. Like, I'm not calling Kittle a drop by any stretch. He took a hard hit, but hey, Lance put the ball in his hands in the end zone. It was a good throw by Lance. Couple other notes on the Seahawks side of the ball. You know, Russell Wilson, hardly his most prolific performance, 149 yards, but two touchdowns and was able to get DK Metcalf early on one of those where we saw more route running goodness. Like, quit. Like, one of the most ignorant things you can say these days is that DK Metcalf is a limited route runner because you're just holding on to that one three cone time that everyone was talking about like three years ago at this point. Look at his touchdown. Look at the pretzel he put Patrick Peterson last week. Like, there are numerous examples of Metcalf doing everything you want him to do as an alpha number one receiver. He is far from a one-trick pony, people. He did show off the case of the dropsies, which has been a concern throughout his career. Russ put one on a dime down the sideline. Would have been good for about four yards couldn't come down with it whatever still has 65 yards on the day 
I think that's my last main point. Shout out Alex Collins. Uh, you know, you mentioned never cutting ties with Max Williams on the fantasy squads. I'm the same way with Alex Collins. Did I start him this week? No, but found his way into the end zone, 44 yards on 10 carries. Chris Carson wasn't quite as effective. And Russell Wilson also found his way into the end zone as a rusher to cap off the scoring. So, Dwayne, let's start off with the 49ers um, side of things. Are we sounding the alarms again for Ayuk, or is this just a situation where he was on the field and he wasn't getting the targets? No, man, it's bad. Uh, 67% of the snaps, 68%, oh. 68% routes per. No, we were done with this. No, we're not done with it. Like, they, they you got to have Mohamed Sanu out there, dude. You got to get Trent, <laughs> Trent, Trent Sherfield deserves 28% of the routes per pass play. His mom wrote into the 49ers office and complained, <laughs> you know, that Trent needs more playing time. Evidently coach Shanahan got the letter, felt kind of bad about it. Didn't really want to deal with the confrontation with the parent. You know, it's it weird. It gets weird. So Brian and I, 68% of the routes run because his parents, apparently they're kind of wieners, you know, they don't really fight for their kid or their rights. Um, so that's where we're sitting with Brandon. I right now, 8% of the targets, he belongs on a bench in shallow leagues. You can cut Brandon. Ayuk. it's official. It's done. Like the offense doesn't look good. They throw, they run the ball all the time. Debo Samuel. And I'm just going to say this really slowly and just so everybody can take it in. He's the alpha. He's the alpha on the offense. Like every single week in 30% target share every week, like clockwork. His parents must be freaking bullies, like his name, Debo. Like, he just comes steal your bike, you know? Um, so, it's it's uh, Debo's like Zeus off of Friday. If you guys have seen that, like, that's what I think about with Debo. I know that's, like, where his nickname came from. So, uh, dude, if you own – if you are rostering Debo Samuel and you got him in the seventh or eighth round, congratulations. Like, um, at this point, like, look, what else do we say, Ian? Four weeks in. I mean, to me, it is what it is. Like Debo is the alpha of the offense. Like, it's not like this is one week or two weeks. This is every week. And we've only seen Brandon Ayuk get to 90% of routes one time on the season. And then we see him regress backwards the wrong way this week. I just don't think you can trust him anymore on an offense. Now it'd be different. Like if you, if we were like, what man, this offense runs 75 plays a game, they throw the ball 70% of the time. Let's see if Ayuk comes around. No, this is an offense that wants to run the ball as much as possible. And they want to leave the game running as few plays as possible that it takes to win, meaning they'll run 50 if that's all they need to do. Um, so it's the, it, but if you look at the bills, the 49ers are the exact opposite of the way they want to play the game. Debo Samuel this year has 42 targets. Brandon Ayuk has 11. They're telling us it's Debo. Like, this is it. And it's, you know, as I said before, how people can't victory lap uh, being on Darnold as much. Like, I can't victory lap ranking Debo ahead of Brandon Ayuk in the preseason rankings because I had both as wide receiver threes because I thought this was going to be the low-volume passing attack that it is. Split up fairly evenly between Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle. What happened? Just like in Carolina, one of those guys took the hell over. That's Debo, and obviously DJ Moore is doing his thing out there. Like, it's tough to tell sometimes people, and we do the best we can, but once these things show themselves and we are through four weeks, it has shown itself we need to adjust and move on. So I really would like not to cut him because I can't quit a talented player this yeah. good. But no, I, I agree. Right. Look, I'm saying 12, 12 team, you know, leagues where you've got 15 plus players on the roster. That's the type of situation where you're cutting in. If you're in like a 10 team league with 15, 13 players, that kind of thing. Whole, you know, I mean, 
it's on the, it's on the table right now. You're not that's, wrong. That, that's where you're like borderline. Once you get down though, to like 18 leagues, which a lot of people play in right. 18 leagues. And you're talking 12 to 15 players on the roster. Like I think he's cuttable in that format right now. You get to the middle, it starts to become questionable. If you get into those deeper leagues, you're probably still going to hold Brandon Ayuk. I'm not telling you if you're in playing in a high stakes tournament, not that, you know, you guys already know anyway, like <laughs> the players that play in high stakes, like they know you don't drop Brandon Ayuk, but at the end of the day, like he's still getting close. Like even in those other formats, like I just three out of four data points have been really bad for Brandon. Ayuk. The only thing, other thing else, other thing I'll say about the 49ers, um, you know, so you saw Trey Sermon play again today. You had um, Elijah Mitchell out of the game. Um, it really wasn't much better for Trey Sermon from a utilization standpoint, a little better. 51% of the total snaps about like last week, last week, I think he was 48, 47%. Um, and then you had routes per drop back or per pass play, 26%. Kyle Juszczyk was out there 80% because he's a beast. 73% rushing attempts to Sermon. They actually didn't give the ball this week to Juszczyk, but you had Trey Lance uh, more involved. He had 15% of the design rushing attempts. Um, Patrick had 8%. And then you had short down and distance. That was 56% to Trey Sermon. Long down and distance, 36%. 14% of the two-man offense to Trey Sermon. So those things that he had 0% of last week, he actually got a little bit of this week. So you could call that a positive, but we'll probably, who knows, it's Shanahan. We'll probably, my guess though, get Elijah Mitchell back next week. And when that happens, I still think based on the data we've seen so far, and seeing the game where Elijah Mitchell got to play without Trey Sermon active, um, he got it. He got pretty much everything right until he got hurt. So that makes me think that Elijah Mitchell is still the lead back to own for the 49ers. But these things are they're positive for Trey Sermon. Maybe he's done enough, Ian, to just kind of keep his foot like the door is not completely sand on it. Like he's got his foot in there and it, it hurts. Like he's screaming because, you know, Elijah Mitchell's like slamming it. But it's like, you know, he's done just enough. To, to, to look, just be active <laughs> when Elijah Mitchell comes back. If Trace Army can just be active, like we're, let's just take it one step at a time, <laughs> one day at a time, one step at a time. So we'll see where it ends up once Mitchell's back. PFF list that is with Trey Lance, the one you've been holding on your rosters because of this upside you've been hearing about. This is it, people. 18.4 fantasy points in the half. Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers has started 27 games. He has passed that mark in eight of them. So Trey Lance in his first half of football did something that Jimmy Garoppolo failed to do in 18 of his 27 starts. I'm just trying to do the math in my head and it's barely working, Dwayne. So I'm staring at a screen too long and you have to, and that's why we're going to conclude this episode of the PFF fantasy football podcast. We'll have much more on Trey Lance on the waiver wire guys, Damian Williams, you name it back on Tuesday. So make sure you guys check that out Wednesday. Dwayne and I will be back here previewing week five's games week six. I'll have a guest on. You'll find out who then DFS show with Andrew Erickson on Thursday injury reports after that great day to be great. As always, Dwayne, anything else you want to go off your chest? I think everything is off of the chest. It's all gone. <laughs> it's empty. It's For empty. Du- it's barren, whatever you want to call it. I think I'm going to go shave it after this show. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Go Cordero, go Cordero Patterson and have a great day. Everyone else. Take care, everybody. And I botched that. <laughs> Take care. We love you. Oh Bye. my gosh. Love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>